Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I can take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value payment, giving value's contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Okay, so if you love Home Team Podcasts, when uh, we just talk about issues, different topics, you're getting what you ask for today. We have Adam in the house, Tyler's best friend today. We have Jedediah in the house, and Tom's uh, in the house as well, the biz doc. And we got a lot of stuff to talk Hello. about, guys. A lot of things. Tom's got some new charts to talk about business-wise. I got a few things to talk about in regards to the economy. Jed's got some things to say about Hochul, New York. Liz Truss apparently texted something to Tyler. Who did she text to? A Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. And said it's minutes. done. Ten minutes after the Nord Stream, Nord Stream uh, pipeline was uh, hit, she says it's done ten minutes later, which is kind of weird. And then next thing you know, she resigns that quickly. Wow. little weird. We'll talk about that. Uh, Russia says UK Navy blew up Nord Stream pipeline. Again, part of that story. We're going to bring in our friend. Uh, oil expert, uh, he's going to be on. Right? Paul Sankey. He'll be on like yep. at the later half of like 10.30. If you really want to know what's going on, that's his world. He's going to give us a little bit of insight. We'll talk Musk. We'll talk Twitter. Adam wants to talk Kanye. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about AB and a few other things that's going on. Tom's got uh, one topic of sports, Aaron Judge, he wants to talk about because Tom has a prediction of where he believes Aaron Judge will go next. And it's definitely not the Yankees. I'll mm. let him tell you that. Okay, so AB interview after it was done. Uh, what a, what a, did you watch it yourself again or no? You haven't the seen the whole it. thing. Yeah, no, I you haven't seen. Watch the whole thing. Did you watch any? I want to go crazy again. So it was on Sports Illustrated. Picked yeah. it up. New York Post. Barstool. It was Barstool, Fox. It was Daily Mail. Going crazy. ESPN, on Twitter. Did you yeah. see the clip AB made about me on Twitter yeah. as a hoax? As a not a hoax? As a uh, a parody? Parody. <laughs> A Freudian slip. A Freudian. Yeah. yeah. We had a good time, though, man. But of, of anything he could have said about you, he made sort of like a gay reference, or what, what was that joke? Yeah, to say, when I date guys, is what he said. A Freudian yeah. slip. You have to see it. It's hilarious. I retweeted it. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. I said, I, I find gotta this give amusing. Credit. He is, he's up there with troll status. All, you know, major troll status. I, I don't think don't he's on think he's Jake Paul, Elon Musk, troll status But let, let me level. tell you what he did but he's do. going there. Let me tell you what he did do. He made yeah. me watch CT videos all weekend long. Mm. And I had Dylan and Tico watch a few videos on CT. I will tell you that. Just so we can get a little bit uh, smarter on what, uh, uh, how it happens, different mm-hmm. sports it happens, the consequences, how to prepare for it, if you can, if you can't, choices you got to make. So, it caused us to have some real conversations in the house uh, about sports. Well, it's a real issue. CTE is football. a real issue. I mean, yeah. look at Biden. Out of anything you took from the interview, you're focusing more on CTE? Yeah, because everything else, you know, look, the, the, the most sensitive topic to him was CTE. Yeah. It was the most sensitive topic to him, which means... You know how sometimes you fear something, you don't want people to bring it up, mm-hmm. and you keep bringing it up because that's what you fear. To me, yeah. he fears that maybe something happened. And I watched a clip of him getting hit again. It's a, it's a disturbing hit. Yeah. It's a disturbing hit. I, I actually have a different perspective on that because I've had a chance to really sort of recalibrate of what he was, why he was so focused on the CTE thing. So let's just play devil's advocate that he does not have CTE because... If he would have just sort of clarified, 
his biggest problem is that that you could give sort of a nuanced here's my opinion in in 10 seconds or less or you can just become argumentative and spend a half hour just kind of bsing your point ultimately all he had to say was this two things number one i've lost many many good friends counterparts wide receivers specifically vincent jackson who was the other one that he referenced um there was Vincent Jackson. He mentioned Junior Seau, not Junior the name. Seau, He said that linebacker. There was another wide receiver, uh, Demarius Thomas, okay? These are people that played ex- his exact position at the exact same time that were exactly pro bowlers like him. So there's definitely an emotional component. Like, guys I know at my position at this elite level died of CTE. So he didn't express that, like, poignantly enough to say that's why this is so sensitive to me. Number two, all he had to say was this. Bro, I don't know if I have it or I don't have it. I don't want it. But you're not going to know until I'm dead. So you're essentially wanting me to die to find out. And I think that's why you become so emotional about something like this. But and there was an angle that me, said, don't judge me and assume I have it and judge my actions by it. There was an course, angle in there like that. Hey, but you're prejudging it. You don't even know. Exactly. And then and then obviously it's a sensitive topic. But I'm going to give him the... Um, you know, benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt yeah. that he does not have freaking CTE, but is a very sensitive topic to him. And he does not do an amazing job of expressing why he feels so strongly about it. Mm-hmm. So that's my two cents on, yeah, you on know, AB and the, CTE. The, the one part when you watch him and you watch Kanye, I thought he was trying to talk like Kanye, but he's not Kanye. You can't copy creative genius. You know, Kanye mm-hmm. in the creative side, you, you forget about his opinions about whatever he has. As a creative, he's a genius. Yeah. And a lot of time when you try to copy creative genius, you're going to fail. It's not easy to do. It's impossible to duplicate creative genius. There's only one of one. Anybody you think of that's super, super creative, they're one of one. You don't have seven versions of a Musk. Right. You don't have six versions of a Kanye. You don't have you know 18 versions of it's one of one. And well, I like, think he's trying to be somebody he's not. Well, like you said, like, oh, you want to go be the next Andrew Tate? Best of luck, homie. Go try to duplicate no, what duplicate. Andrew Tate yeah. does, the way he talks, the way he acts, his pedigree, his background, everything he's been through. Not going to happen. Here you go. Somebody just commented, a super chat. PBD, I'm going through a, a new uh, test now for CT. It's not just from football. Although I did play uh, mine, is from getting beat in the head. Have a great day. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. listen, there's a, there's a lot of ways to get CT. For Soccer's sure. one of them, by the way. But look, before we but, get into but, all these topics, sorry. before we get into all these topics, yeah. good. You want to finish your no, thought just, on this? I, I don't want to make the whole AB two-hour interview about CTE. I guess you asked for my final thoughts. What I will say is I think you did a him a very good service of saying, don't judge the full interview by the first hour. Watch the entire interview to get a full perspective on this guy. I happen to believe he showed up drunk. I think he was a little fucked up, high, showed up, and then like he was the way that you introduced him actually wasn't that bad, but he made it an issue. He kind of came in argumentative, but I think as like when we literally took off the headphones and we're like, listen, we don't have to do this. We're doing this because we would like to. We, you could leave right now. I think, you know, he put down his guard. We all put down our guard and like cooler heads prevailed. And the second half of the interview, we truly had a, a very informal, like almost like af, off camera dialogue. And I think that was the real him. Yeah. Well, do you agree? Were you prepared for the tension? Like, I, it was. It was watching it. I was like, whoa. You know, I didn't. Were you prepared for that to go in a wild direction? And what would you have done if 
Like, were you prepared for the option of, let's say it was like, I'm out of here? Like, do you yeah. ever think about that going into a no, show? No, it's not a problem. He had a bodyguard sitting right there. <laughs> not he had a small another guy, guy yeah. sitting right there. Big yeah. boy. And, you know, every time he would say stuff, he would look over there. And at one point, he got up, yeah. like, ready to, if things were going to get heated. Oh, wow. And I got up. They, he thought I was getting to leave. I got up mm-hmm. because I was getting water from the corner. But, uh, no, there was, a, there was a couple moments where I said, this thing can go any direction. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, you asking me questions. You, you, you acting like a girl. You acting like a girl for <laughs> not that. answering I the questions. It was just a lot that. of back and forth, and I was Adam. But uh, I thought it was a great interview. I appreciate him for coming yeah. out. The audience gets to choose for themselves how they want to judge him or us or if there was any clarity that came out of it. I was trying mm-hmm. to get something out of it for Brady. Just so you know. Right after the video came out, six hours later, he put up one of his new shirts online. Did you see that one that has yeah. to do with divorce attorney? Yeah. Call me for divorce attorney. Yeah. You know, again, taking a shot at him. So he's going it's after. obviously he's doubling down on whatever yeah. he believed in. There is no let me reposition myself. Last nope. point, Pat. Last yeah. point. This is what I think. And people want authentic, real people, real conversations. And I think that's what we're doing here on Valuetainment. I think it's what a lot of podcasts are doing. And I think that's what people want because... Imagine if our interview with AB was 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Quick, 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 quick. You're not going to really understand somebody. You're not going to really get to the, the heart of the matter. And I think that's why an hour, two-hour podcast is so important, yeah. especially in today's I culture. Agree. I and like agree. Whether it's debates, like we all have our issues with presidential debates or obviously we see what's going on. It's sound bites. Mm-hmm. But you really get to know people more when you can fully express yourself over the course All of I know is the weirdest podcast. people texted me. Apparently, the weirdest people texted you as well about yeah. the interviews. People, people I haven't talked to for a longest time, mm-hmm. sending me a message saying, how the hell did you guys sit through that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but it is what it is. So, okay. For some of you guys that don't know who AB is, he's Antonio Brown, played in the NFL, was a teammate of Tom Brady, left, posted some pictures about himself and Giselle, which is Tom's ex, right after they announced the divorce. So his timing of trying to be a troll wasn't... Uh, uh, the best of timing, or it was intentional. So that's why we invited him to have the conversation with him. Anyways, before we get into all these topics, we got a lot of topics to get through. It's the 200 episode that we have. Let me give a, a shout out to our sponsor real quick, which is Aura. Uh, Aura is somebody that now is also sponsoring your show, that's which right. you you had to test yourself to find out how many of your password they were uh, being used in the dark. But what number did you find I got yourself? 44. 44. 44 times your password 44 was times. being compromised. Yeah. Really so if, if you don't know this, folks, the, the fastest growing crime in America today is, uh, is identity theft. It's happening all the time. It's happened to me. This is why we do these types of things where we bring a sponsor like this. And every 14 seconds it happens. Last year it cost Americans 52 billion dollars just last year it's officially the number one crime in america ahead of robbery and this is happening regularly we have people that went in here that took the test as well to see how many of their passports being used or not you can do the same yourself if you go and take the test and for those of you guys that are part of the content you follow value team you follow pbd podcast you're going to get a 50 a free a free 14 day trial all you need to do is go to aura.com forward slash pbd once again aura A-U-R-A dot com forward slash PBD. A-U-R-A dot com forward slash PBD. Go find out how many times your personal information is being used on the dark web. It is a must because if you do go through this mess, it's ugly, it's annoying, it's the last thing you want to deal with. Having said that, let's get right into it. Tom, tell us how you feel about the economy right now. I looked at the Dow. The Dow is up. You know, everybody's like, oh, the market's recovering. The market's recovering. The market's coming back up. And then you're seeing 32,000-something on the Dow. 
you know, this is all a bunch of BS. Unemployment is down. Markets doing fine. Why are people so worried about what's going on with the economy? What do you see on, uh, currently going on with the economy? Well, given that we pump so much dollars into it, asset prices are inflated. And one of those assets is equities, right? Stocks, stocks and companies. And when you take a look at what's going on right now, you have a tale of two cities happening all over the stock market. It's not a barometer of what the average American and what America is facing economically. For example, Snapchat down 90% for the year. Oil and gas stocks up 35, 40% what it was, depending on who you talk to. I don't think that's up the full sector. I think the full sector is like 17 or 20 or something like that. But still, you've got sectors that are up. That Dow is not what is happening in America. The Dow is merely the stock market. And when you pump so many dollars into it, this is why so many asset classes like trading cards, artwork, gold, and a lot of things were up because the housing prices over the year, those are all assets. And so a stock, what America needs to think about, if you're listening, think of a stock as a house that's overpriced. And that makes the Dow be really high. Think of it as what you're hearing about on artwork and trading cards, which if you own them and you bought them two years ago, you're in a really good place. You know, you may want to get out sooner than later, but that's what's there. The average American is facing Uh, The inflation that still hasn't changed, you go take pictures of the gas stations in California, and it's not a um, it's not a narrative story. So you're not going to see it in mainstream. But Californians are still um, suffering with energy costs and pricing at the pump. And you go straight to the back of the store and look at the price of eggs and a gallon of milk. The average America in that shopping basket and what they have to buy electricity, gas, the inflation is still there and it's hard on them. And so when you see the stock market and all the celebration, just remember those little stocks are assets, just like housing and trading cards, and they're overpriced. I want to show you a couple charts here that I got, okay? Uh, let's start off with this one here. So check this out. This is from 2009 till today. Green represents all items. Uh, uh, orange represents food. Look how much prices have increased from 2020. Go from election right there. From 2020, look what's happened to food and all items skyrocketed all the way to the top. This is the worst we've had in many years. So who feels this? If you're going shopping, you go to the market, you're feeling it. Jennifer comes back and tells me, babe, prices are higher. I used to spend this much, now I'm spending this much. Go to the next one if you look at the economy today. Median weekly earnings, as weird as it sounds, it peaked at 2020 when the uh, uh, election was taking place. The moment Biden got elected, look what happened to uh, median weekly earnings. Dropped. This is, again, these are sources that I'm reading from Bureau of Labor Statistics. This isn't CNN. This isn't MSNBC. This isn't Fox. This is purely coming from the source. So things are more expensive. Income is lower for full-time worker. Go to the next one. Consumer Sentiment Index, this shows how confident they are like the... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The more it is in the blue, the better it is, which means if it's in the blue, if it's higher, that president's going to get reelected. They don't typically not get reelected. Unfortunately, the only one that didn't get reelected was the one that shows Trump, because according to history, typically if consumer sentiment index is high, that president gets reelected. But watch what happened after 2022. Go to the next one. Here's what's happened since 2022, since 2020. It's the lowest it's been, even lower than 2008 when you look at that, which means if you're a betting man, do not bet on somebody on the left to win. If you're purely going to Las Vegas to bet, that red is the lowest it's been. And by the way, look at the source. This is University of Michigan. You're not talking about Liberty from Michigan. This is University of Michigan. This isn't Hillsdale College. This is University of Michigan, flat out telling you what's about to happen in the next election. And go to the last one. Consumer price index. This is last 40 years. Okay. Look what that looks like. Inflation. That That is not an exciting thing to be looking at. Okay. I had a guy call me from LA uh, uh, and him and I are having this conversation together. He says, look, do you have any interest of ever getting to the mortgage business? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> he's, he's the top mortgage guy in LA in Glendale. He says, do you have any interest again to the mortgage business? And I said, I'm good, man. I don't have any interest in business. That, well, you know, when, when it's doing so well, you can make so much cash. I'm not interested in cash. I'm interested in equity. I'm interested in building the company. He says, so he says uh, the following to me, flat out. What I liked about him is he had zero. He goes, Pat, I don't care what anybody's telling you. This is a different guy than the other guy he spoke to. He says, mortgage refi business is down 90%. Mm-hmm. 90% is down. We're doing no refis. We're doing none of that stuff. Do you have the Yahoo Finance article about Las Vegas, how Las Vegas Board of Realty, they asked them, they said, so what's happening with, because, you know, the way to judge it is to find out the Board of Realty in each city and state and how they're doing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they judge it based on Las Vegas. So watch this article here. If you can zoom in a little bit more so we can read it a little bit more, a little bit more. Okay. Housing market activity, this is from six days ago. Housing market activity is crashing and it threatens to push U.S. into recession just like it did in 81 and 2008. Now go up. If you look at the data, we're talking, there you go, in the middle. Zoom in a little bit. Las Vegas is one of the leading indicators for home price action in the housing market like we saw in 2008. And the frenzy, uh, recent frenzy, we are absolutely feeling the heat here. The buyer pool has, for the most part, dried up, says real estate agent in Las Vegas to uh, fortune. Go a little lower. Go a little lower because now they're talking. Go keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Story continues. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, right there, right there. Realtors are feeling it big time as well. I put a call into the Greater Las Vegas Association of Realtors. An employee I spoke with said that they are averaging, uh, they were averaging 300 new members every month, which means like 300 new realtors uh, every month. This month, she has estimated 120. However, she's been processing about 30 realtor withdrawals a day, not a week. A day. That's 900 negative. Um, a month, Tom. Wow. That means every day around 30 real estate agents in Las Vegas alone are calling it quits. Okay? And if you go a little lower, she'll talk about the fact that 38% is down. Uh, look for the number 38%. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. 
uh, anyways, there's a 38% number about what's happening with the refi business. So uh, it, it's a very interesting market we're in right now. Different economies are feeling it. People are feeling it. But a lot of times people are, who don't want to uh, talk about what's really going on with the market, all they're talking about is unemployment. And the unemployment numbers are going to be felt next year, not this year. person asked me a question on Twitter. And Jed, you were asking me this question. I'll say this and then we'll toss it around to the rest of you guys. Is this a good time to buy? Mm-hmm. And my advice is very simple. If you're thinking about buying a house today, buy a house today. But make the offer you would make a year from today. So if you're buying a million-dollar home, make a 770 offer. If you're buying a $600,000 home, make a 490 offer. If you're buying a $450,000 condo or home in certain parts of the country, make a 370 offer. But do not make the offer you would make in today's economy because there's still room, I believe, for these values to go down the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, Zillow is showing, you know, this is the, the average run-up of the last year. And so we don't want to say the address or anything on here, but you can take a look at that, Pat. You see that lump? That skyrocket right there over the last 12 months is an illusion. So you have five years of some modest growth, 2 3%, just growing along. See there? And all of a sudden, wham, we print money, the asset changes. So let's go take a look at this house. What was it, uh, you know, uh, October of 21? Uh, 1.3. Yeah, so right now it's at 1.8, it was 1.3, and then go back to October 20. It's 880, See? essentially. There it is. So if you were going to go buy this house right now, you would go go in there and say probably 1.1. That's you know? exactly what I'd be making a million that's dollar a, offer on that. That's exactly, your, your advice, Pat, is absolutely true. I look at it, I look at it this way. I, I did a little research for some numbers or some basic numbers. I'll do this really quick. Right now, let's say someone is buying a $500,000 house. This, that's it. And you're going to do a 30-year fixed and you're going to put 20% down. So standard, standard deal. In March of this year, you would have had a 3.5% mortgage or an $1,800 payment. Reasonable, you know, for a family. Right now, at 7.5%, that's $2,800, up $1,000. At 10.25%, where you and I both think this is going, it's double, $3,600. Oh, it's going there. So the buyers are, are being crushed. Now let's go the other way. Let's say the 1800 was all that I could afford as a buyer. When the interest rate's at 75 the $500,000 house I can afford, I can only afford a $325,000 house. So my buying power is down almost 40%. So what you have right now, if you are out there and you have to change jobs, you're being forced to go to another city right now, I would seriously consider not <clears throat> dumping the house you have, lease the house you have, because you're, you're, going, you're not going to be able to sell it right now. You, 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 and the, the price is going to come back down. But where you're going, the interest rates are so high. So if you sell, where do you go and what do you buy? Your, your payments you, you know, up. You know what confuses me is the following. Those who are delusional because they're in the industry and they're saying that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's a very big difference between power of positive thinking and not understanding that the only the paranoid survive. <laughs> it, it, I believe you should read both books simultaneously. Read the book Power of Positive Thinking because it's good to have a positive attitude, but do not be delusional because you're in real estate and mortgages thinking, no, it's not going to happen. Year ago, rates were roughly 2.9%. 
in May, when Dave Ramsey called it fear porn, rates were at 5%. And today, rates are 7.5% for 30-year interest. Interest, And everyone's saying, it's not going to go to 7.5%. Never. What are you talking about? Do you realize from 1981 or 82, I don't know what the year was, for about nine years straight, interest rates in America were above 10%. Yep. Can you pull that up, please? Do you realize for ten, this is the part where people are absolutely delusional. Go to the rates I sent you. No, it was one that just showed the charts. There you go. That's the one. Yeah, this is okay. Paul Volcker's so, Endless so, Halloween. So check this out. Zoom in. Zoom in so everybody can see. Let's first look at the first chart to the right, which what we've been used to for the last 20 years. Yeah, go to the right. No, no, don't worry about the stuff on the left. Okay, so what is it right now? Go a little lower. Go a little lower. Lower. Okay, 2021, 2.96. Uh, 2010, 3. 39453936384139363. Oh, rates are cool. This mm-hmm. is what we're used to. This is BS. This is a lie. 44465. This is a lie. Then it's real. 666. Keep going. 6.3, 6.4. Go to 20 uh, 2005. To okay, 585858. These are numbers that we need to stay around. 65698. Now watch. This is 2000. We're at 8. 7, 4, 6, 9, 7, 6, 7, 8, 7, 9. It's 8, 3, 7, 3. For a straight decade, it's around 7 plus, right? Mm-hmm. Now you got 1990. Just 32 years ago, it's at 10.13. It'll never crack 10%. It won't happen. Okay, go to 1989. Let's look at 89. Now watch what happens. So that's two years, three years, four years, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Keep going. 11, 12. 12 straight years. 30-year fixed rates were above 10%. Crazy. Let me say this one more time. For 12 straight years, 30-year mortgage rates were above 10%, and people are saying it's not going to go to 10%. Brace for impact, folks. Read Power of Positive Thinking and read Only the Paranoid Survive. Long-term, everything's going to be fine. Short-term, these rates are going to get to 10 points. I hope I'm wrong. Believe me, because I'm trying to also participate. I've taken a hit on a few of the properties I bought. I hope I'm wrong. But it's going this direction. And right now, what's really interesting also, uh, right now, today, I think it was uh, Diana Olick on um, CNBC reported. She's the um, uh, real estate reporter. Tends to be pretty balanced, not sold out to the industry. Um, The listings are up 36% year over year. So listings are coming on right now as sellers are trying to get in, a certain class of seller trying to get in and sell the house to somebody, God, please, somebody, buy my house right now. And you have the interest rates here. So I think that the last, we've had the interest rates go up. We've had the housing start stall. We've had the purchases from builders like Toll Brothers saying nobody's walking in to buy, so they're stuck with inventory. All of those things have happened. The next thing's about to happen, price. Just think of supply and demand. The supply is up 36% over last year, yet the buyers have lost 34% of their buying power. The next shoe to drop is the price. And I used to say, hey, I've been saying, and if people have been listening to the podcast, you've heard me talk about real estate and the economy, saying next June. Now I'm saying next October. So I was looking at the beginning of Q2. Now I'm looking at the beginning of Q3, where I think that window is going to be open, where the rates are going to be coming back a little bit, and you're going to have a, an opportunity. But between now and then, you're going to have to, if you got to move, then you Don't put yourself in a bad purchase. Find a way to lease, lease a lot less, and just get through the storm. Think about the stress on people's minds, though, going into these midterms. I mean, all of these topics we just talked about, buyers, 
stressed out. Renters, by the way, very stressed out because the rental market in a lot of these desirable places, including places like Florida, rents have gone up. People go to the grocery store. They can't afford the prices of goods and services. Inflation has been probably the biggest thing that people can actually feel tangibly every day, as you said, with your wife at the grocery store. There's all these headlines that say the recession is coming and people are like, we're not there yet. I'm feeling every day like Mm. I'm struggling. They are already feeling like they're there. And now they're thinking, well, if the bad's not here yet, what's that going to look like for me and my family? family. And I think the only hope for people is a shift in politics. They look and they say, okay, is there going to be a shift here that's going to change things? The midterms, I think, will be a GOP pretty pretty intensive sweep we're going to see. I mean, it's even interesting to look at the New York race. I don't know how many people are following Hochul and um, Lee Zeldin, but Lee Zeldin is actually in the lead, the Republican, in some polling there. It's That's insane. insane. You see that happening in New insane York. Insane in New York State. A race that should never be that close. Right. <laughs> so there's going to be a shift, but then people look and say, well, if there's a shift in the midterms, sometimes then there's backlash in the next presidential election against the midterms. So I just feel the stress of people all the time. And when I get, you know, reach out from people on social media, they're always like, "Where? what do people do who don't have a cushion? You know, it's one thing to go through times like this when you have a cushion. What if you're, you, you don't have that? You've got your one home and you're trying to relocate and you, you do need to sell it. Like there's just too much going on that people feel like they're backed into a corner. And I think ultimately though, I think stock market aside, all that aside, I think it's going to be the price of goods and services because you can't get from today to tomorrow if you can't pay for the stuff that's in the grocery store and put gas in your car. That's going to be the leading issue, the inflationary issue. And I don't know what Democrats are going to say when you look going into these midterms. I mean, we're very close. It's coming up next week. I don't know what they could possibly say that would go against the reality that people are facing. I mean, the reality is people are hurting and when people are hurting, they want to change regardless whether, you know, you can put all the blame on the Democrats or what they're going to say, let's change something. Maybe that'll make it better. So I think Republicans are in for a pretty extraordinary win next week across the board. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because you talk about Hochul. Here's Amen. what Hochul said. Uh, Hochul claims Republican crime concerns are conspiracy. Uh, Governor Hochul claimed worries about crime ahead of midterm election were a conspiracy and said her opponent, Lee Zeldin, and other Republican critics were data deniers. Mm. These are master manipulators. They have their, this conspiracy going all across America trying to convince people in the Democratic states that they are not safe. Uh, well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers. They're also data deniers. Safe places are the Democratic states, she said. Murders were down 14% in New York City compared to last year, but all other major crimes were up including 33% rise in robberies and police statistics show. When you hear her say stuff like this, here's what I ask myself, because she said this on the show yesterday. Does the voter believe her? And if yes, what percentage the voter that would vote blue actually believes her saying that? What do you think the voters thinking about? So the voters don't believe her because this is a you don't see what you actually see liberal. She's out there. You know, she's a big government girl. And this has been her motto throughout, by the way, for the last year and a half or whatever it's been. You don't see what's actually happening. You don't feel it. You're not really afraid to walk to the grocery store. And people are like, no, actually, I am. So that's not going to be a successful argument. The problem in a place like New York is that you have a bunch of voters, and this happens in very liberal cities oftentimes, where they will vote Democrat regardless. You could put Fidel Castro on the voting ballot. They don't care. It's like D, Oh, he's running? That's, oh, yeah, they won't care. They will. They would Both vote sides something in. To be both fair. Sides, yeah, both yeah. sides yeah. absolutely do that. The problem is, is that when she's the problem, you need someone to what you need is a voter to say this stuff's not working. 
Maybe I've always been a lifelong Democrat. Maybe I support the ideals of the party as they once were. This stuff is not for me. What's more important to me right now is my safety and security and the safety and security of my family. End of story. And they have to call her bluff. So they have to be willing to say, sorry, Kathy. And and by the way, allow yourself to be insulted by this, because, again, this is the left infantilizing you. I talk about this all the time by saying, no, no, you're a little baby. You're a little baby and you don't actually feel what you feel. You need to be able to respond as a grown person. I don't care, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, and say, no, actually, I do feel it. I do feel it. I had to, you know, I'm afraid to go to walk my kid to school every day. And it's because of a lot of the policies coming out of liberal DAs in New York City that allow criminals to roam free. So have a response and feel okay with that. Even if you are a lifelong Democrat and that your commitment is to the party and the cause, something's gone wrong. Can she lose? I think she can lose. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. If I had to guess, I'd say she probably won't lose, but the fact that it's this close, the fact that it's this close in New York State tells you what's going to happen in other states around the country that are not New York, where which are it, it's going to be it's going to be a GOP sweep. But Jed, let me ask you, um, she she took over after Andrew Cuomo was yeah. was given the, the 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 left hook. He's out. Yeah. So it's not like she had this like sort of left mandate. <laughs> to be the governor she was sort of the fill-in yep to replace him it wasn't like there was this groundswell of people we love kathy hochel and she right. got elected she was replaced she got in clearly things in new york have not gone well over the last few years so it's not like there's this major base that she has other than the traditional blue democrat liberal mm-hmm. new york base so uh anyway that i'm just pointing that out it's not like she was elected she was replaced um part number two is me, at least at this point in my life, like it's very hard to just trust what politicians say in general, left and right, but especially during election season, during midterms. They're just going to say whatever they got to say to get elected, mm-hmm. whether it's true, whether it's not true. I mean, we're, we're living that in, in midterms right now. So, of course, she's going to say whatever she's saying right now. Of course, she's going to say, don't believe your lying eyes. Just mm-hmm. trust the trust the process here. So. She's going to do what she's got to do to stay elected. I think she will get reelected. Again, she's running for governor in the, one of the bluest states in the country. I think she was a couple months ago, she was up by like 20 points. I think mm-hmm. it's narrowed to like six or seven or eight. That's still a That's quite fun. significant lead, especially one week out. But we'll see. We'll see if New Yorkers are truly, truly, truly ready to make mm-hmm. a change or if they're just going to kind of live the status quo that they've been living. They haven't sunk enough yet. New York City, New York City in particular, which drags the whole state down repeatedly every every year, needs to sink a little bit more for New Yorkers to wake up and get a Giuliani that mm-hmm. came out of the David Dinkins of the world. Um, she wasn't elected, you're right, but she it has governed as a Democrat would govern. She's done nothing different from any other standard you know, mm-hmm. hard left Democrat in that position. She's done exactly what I would anticipate that any Democrat would do. Um, and that's why, yes, you're right. The, the point you make about it's election season right now, they're going to say whatever they need to say. That's 100 percent valid, which is why I always tell people ignore everything that any politician says in the couple of months before and after, like right around the election time, mm-hmm. um, even after sometimes, because then it's a whole bunch of excuses as to why they didn't do this. Look a year back at what they actually did policy wise. Go back a year yeah. when they weren't campaigning, when they weren't on the campaign stump and look at what they actually did policy wise, what they were. Look, look 
look back at what Kathy Hochul was saying about lockdowns. Remember those beautiful pictures of Kathy that was standing, she was maskless, standing in front of a group of a whole bunch of little kids with masks on. Look at what she advocated when it came to the lockdowns. What was she saying about mandatory uh, experimental vaccines? What was she saying Mm -hmm. about all these things? Then you're going to know what her position actually is because right now she's desperate. She's afraid. You think she's not looking and saying, I'm in New York State and Lee Zeldin is right on my tail? Come on. What you're basically saying is roll the tapes. Look back a year ago to see what people say. Yes. Um, I haven't been following this Dr. Oz Fetterman race too close. I know. Sort of a national story because they're, it's like, you take it. No, you take it. You take it. Nobody <laughs> wants it. No, I don't think Pennsylvania wants either of them. Right. But if you look at Fetterman, and it seems like he's not the healthiest guy. I think he had a stroke like less than six months ago. Mm-hmm. But his response, one of the clips I did see, they were like, you're, you're, uh, you've been against fracking. And he's like, essentially like, no, I, I like frack. Yeah. Frack me like. Right. They're like, well, a year ago, you didn't, you were talking shit about fracking. You said you were anti-fracking. He's like, I frack. Me frack. <laughs> that's like, basically that's, all could that's say. actually a pretty good summary of what was said too. People at home, they're la- that's pretty close. Yeah. So me yeah. like fracky. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, and, and they, I, they I did a it's sad. I, I I was about to say that I saw his ad yesterday and I was watching his ad, and this is his ad. Just so you know, look in my eyes, folks. Here's his ad. And he's reading. And he's just sitting there and he's just reading, mm-hmm. reading, reading. And you can tell it's just they're telling him what to say. And he's not saying it himself. It's not mm-hmm. a true believer. If Oz loses, it'll tell you how much influence politics has, the fact that people just want to go just one side. Because prior to Oz running, what did the world think about Oz? Mm. People love Oz. They followed his stuff. They respected his stuff. The moment he said he's running, God forbid, you run on that side. Now Oz is a bad candidate, like you said. They're both bad candidates, you know, some word that you use. Oz has never been seen as a guy that had any issues until he ran against this guy. Right. Now he's this but horrible person. The one problem with Oz is the, the the real Oz is not a Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh guy. Like, that's the whole... Not He's like, he just kind of like transplanted there and he's like, hey, Pittsburgh, Philly, I'm with you. They're like, yeah, not so much, Oz. Didn't Oz Relax. have that one yeah, but ad Most with of gun? these guys are not. Most of these guys are not. Do you think Biden is? Yeah, let me tell you. I, I went to school with a few Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. The Dominicans. What are you talking <laughs> no, about? No, but he's from Delaware. Yeah, but like, but to say, but to, but to say, Delaware. to to say, I had Dominican friends. They're like, you had Dominican, and then they did. The, did you see the Puerto Rican haircut they made of them, or no? <laughs> have you seen this meme? <laughs> have you seen this meme? If you haven't, it's well, by far. You have to find it. Just look. Type in Joe Biden Puerto Rican. Type in Joe Biden Puerto Rican. It's the best. Man, no, no, you got you to gotta find this. Listen, I, I would do you, the viewer, an injustice <laughs> if you don't see this because you deserve it. I think you as a loyal audience deserve to see Joe Biden with his Puerto Rican haircut. I'm you, excited to actually see this. Oh, man. You telling me you don't have this meme? Oh, buddy, it's mandatory. There you is, can't find it on DuckDuckGo, Tyler. I mean, what else? Oh, my God. He what can't you got, find buddy? it. Love me some Okay, anyway, so so while you're doing this, do me a favor. Pull up the crime because somebody asked a question about top crime in America. And says, is it liberal? Is it conservative? Okay, let's find out these cities. Most violent cities in America. Go up. Go up, go up, go up, go up, go up to the, right, to the ranking. Okay, St. Louis. Is it uh, liberal or conservative? Any major city, any major city yeah. is going to be blue. Any major city. Got it. So the crime in all major cities ran by liberals is the highest crime in America. Mm -hmm. So when people say, when Hochul says, it's not this, it's not that, no problem. Here's what your policies are doing. It's Mm -hmm. so bad that Nancy Pelosi's husband, Mm 
was broken into his house. And yesterday, the I think it's the DA that was talking about it, saying when the man broke into his house, he was in his underwear. And he got up and went to the other place to make the phone call. And so, But these are the policies of San Francisco. And the guy that broke into San Francisco, he's a BLM guy that broke into the place of San Francisco. According to people that knew this guy, said this is, an, this is a BLM guy. This is a guy that supported BLM. This is a guy that supported a lot of that stuff but broke in. But wait Troubled a minute. Troubled guy in the neighborhood, they would say. Yeah. Using drugs but, openly. Yeah. But, I thought he was more of a QAnon MAGA guy what, no, from what I've heard. No, no, he's not. No. He's Dude, he had a BLM flag on his. He lived in a bus. <clears throat> he had a BLM flag, an LGBTQ flag. A he, bus parked in the front literally. yard of a deteriorating He's like a house. hippie yes, yes, commune he a hippie type of guy. Nudist, uh, took, hmm. uh, but but that was frequently. the media story that you're citing. The media story initially was, oh, this is a Republican QAnon guy. And then they dug and were like, uh, not exactly. And he wound up being this hippie commune drug user guy. A troubled guy. A troubled guy. Mental health yeah. issues. But but more than anything, the, the stories that I've heard, again, we're going to go with, we can't trust what the media is saying left, right. We're just hearing stories. The story that I'm, I'm hearing putting out there, especially on the right, is like this was his gay lover Entanglement issue, male prostitute, which is anything but the truth. I'm not on that. But people are pushing that. that Is my point. You know what? Rational neighbors were saying this is a troubled guy that's using drugs. They got this bus parked over on the lawn. They got all these signs up. He's you know yelling at the moon, and and he's just a really troubled guy. Mm -hmm. I think that has been fully established that this guy with mental health issues somehow ended up inside Paul Pelosi's house and bonked him with a hammer. Right. So looking for Nancy though. Well, he wasn't coming there. Who looking knows for what he Paul. was? But, I just. But, but I how just, do you know that though? That's the part again. That's this why is, I didn't add is, that in. Adam. This is, I just this said, is, what are the this facts? Is, this is the part guy. again. The first thing they did, the first thing they did, is blame who? Republicans. The first thing they did is blame Republicans. The first thing they did, blame all the war. Blame QAnon. He's part. The first thing, and then a day later, oh, he's a, he's he's gay. He's a prostitute. He's he's a new. He's a BLM, he's a LGBT. Oh, well, no, no. Let's let's move on with the story. Okay, so here's what's going on over here in Chicago. So, so <laughs> like that, Jesse Smollett, that's, that's the that's the part where yeah. they the reason why a New York could almost lose governorship is because people are saying I am not dumb. You know, the the, the Joe Rogan said something yesterday. He says the the red uh, uh, the what did he call it? He says it's going to be like The Shining when the elevator opens. You know, the the, 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 the way people are going to be voting red. He says like when the elevator opens from sure. Shining. He says it's going to be insane what's going to happen on that side. Now, obviously, we're going to find that next mm-hmm. week. How much of this is just gibberish and how much of this is credibility or not? You know, people aren't dumb. And I think one of the things I was looking at is you step back from the election season and you look what happened to the DA. Adam, the DA of San Francisco, right? Those people had a, had a referendum against the DA in San Francisco. Why was that? They weren't in the middle of election se- season with million-dollar ads and billboards and TV and radio that you can't avoid, right? They were, I see needles, I see human feces, I see homeless encampments, I see my city deteriorating, I see somebody mugs me and they're back out on the street two weeks later on the same corner waiting to mug me again. Time out. I'm done with it. And to your point, Pat, the San Francisco voters were not dumb. Did they stop being liberal, stop having certain views? No, they didn't. But they looked around and they said, you as my DA are not keeping my city with I want the liberal values to be here, but it's got to be safe at a basic level. And I see this and I'm not done. So guess what? You're done. 
And that's what they did. You probably got the story somewhere on the liberal... Uh, the recall? The recall. Yeah, but let's not forget that they invalidated half a million votes. Um, mm-hmm. And they cheated these people out of recalling uh, Gascon. Uh, no, I'm just looking at the DA and I'm looking at things that they really saw in San Francisco. You know, what people really saw. They tried and then uh, they invalidated half a million signatures out of the 715,000. So during the presidential election or the gubernatorial election for Gavin Newsom, everybody can vote. Everybody and their freaking mother can vote. And they're not going to recall a single ballot. I'm not talking governor. I was just talking to San Francisco DA. But that's what I'm saying. When they're trying to do a recall and they're trying to pull George Gascon out, they're going to recall half a million ballots. Like, it just shows how everything's no, that's, twisted. That's the LADA. You go to San Francisco DA, and that guy got tossed out on his head. When you're, what you're talking about, though, Tom, when you say liberal values, oftentimes in these places, like the New York Cities, the San Franciscos, what they want upheld is, like, the, the, the social values. Like, for example, Giuliani got elected. Giuliani was pro-choice. It would be a, impossible, impossible for a pro-life candidate to win in New York. Um, I don't know about what where Lee Zeldin stands on the pro-life issue or how outspoken he is about that. But oftentimes they're talking about, like, where do you stand on abortion? Where do you stand on this? But they prioritize, these liberal voters do prioritize safety and security. They may back the defund the police movement with a sticker in their window, but they don't want to be unsafe. They want to know that when they pick up the phone and they call for the police, that the police show up and they want to mm. know that they get there in time. Yep. So this perception is, oh, liberals don't care about safety. No, liberals don't. Don't care. Liberals want the the slogan. They want to be in the cool club, defund the police, BLM, put the flags up, all that stuff. But they don't want that lack of safety to impact their neighborhood or their family. Once it does, once it actually lands in their backyard, they will absolutely embrace somebody who prioritizes security as long as that person also bows to some key issues. Has to be, you know, pro-abortion, has to be, Mm -hmm. you know, there's certain boxes that need to be checked by liberals that they just cannot. All lifestyles are valid. Mm -hmm. Article came out from Washington examiners saying only 17% of black voters support defunding the police. Yeah. The survey of black voters conducted by the Grion KFF published on Wednesday asked 1,000 black adults who say they are registered to vote for their opinion on po- uh, policing. About half of those polled, 48% said they would like to see police funding kept about the same, while 34% said they wanted increased financial support. Just 17% responded that they support decreasing the funding for the police. The poll also found that that three and four black voters viewed criminal justice and policing as a very important factor in making their decision about who to vote for, including 77% of Democrats and 68% of Republicans. The issue of crime was as important for those who made under $40,000 per year as for those making over $90,000. More important. Interesting. Should be more important. Under 40 than above 90. because people. Community you're living in. Well, yeah, Yeah. the community you're living in, the police become more valuable. A lot of people who make more money have access to private security and all those perks. But if you're making $40,000 a year, and, and particularly, by the way, if you live in an area where your Second Amendment right isn't protected, these people aren't armed themselves, these law abiding citizens. So they rely heavily on the police being active. And present and they don't have the money to afford the private security that's some of the issues that came up with the paul pelosi story that i think you know everyone ran with those arguments you said by the way the they that ran with the arguments about it's queuing on this hillary clinton hillary was clinton on board tweeted, big yeah. name profiles yeah. people were just asking like hey where are the security cameras isn't it odd that the, was there an alarm system isn't it like some of the the stuff just wasn't making sense and they were questioning and of course you're not allowed to question a narrative sometimes you know the left will jump back and say oh well you just you want you want violence no no one wants violence but some of the stuff just didn't make sense and didn't add up with that initial narrative that adam was mentioning about QAnon and whatnot. you know it's so funny uh, you know like the, the story you're telling about like 
how liberals in New York will put up a sticker, let's say, yeah. but like that's not the reality that they'd actually, mm-hmm. what they stand for in real life. Like, have you, you know what this reminds me of? It's like almost like the, the cognitive dissonance of like in, in real life, real time. Tyler, see if you can pull this up. You ever seen this? I think it was like someone sitting in an airport on their Apple laptop computer and with like a sticker that's like capitalism sucks. Right. Socialism rules while they're sitting there on their Apple laptop with their Apple ear uh, head uh, eardrums or earbeats or whatever. Pat posted Drink, that on LinkedIn. Okay. With their Starbucks in their hand, with their McDonald's egg McMuffin, like mm-hmm. capitalism sucks. It's like how unaware of you of what you have going on in your life to be preaching that, but like living something completely different from what you're saying on your sticker. But you know where that comes from. That comes from academia because these kids learn in school. They have a total disconnect. Like you you go through economics, you go through all these classes and you have Mm -hmm. no concept of what these policies actually look like in the real world. So they're dissociated from reality. And it's like, oh, I'm going to sit here and oh, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. Is this something that emerged from capitalism? There's no thought process there. So they're just like the talking points, the sticker being accepted but they don't actually process that what they're advocating for would prevent them from living the lifestyle that they actually want to live. Well, it's it's Martha's Vineyard. Yes. How, how yes. fast did they bring in the National Guard? Yes. Two days? For two, what happened? It was a couple hundred migrants? Right. Two days they brought in the National Guard to kick those people out. The same people that have Black Lives Matter. Nobody's an immigrant. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all immigrants. Nobody's illegal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This has been going on for 30 years or more. Right. This is the whole limousine liberal movement. Mm-hmm. Right. And I I separate that from I think what really happened, which was an absolute um, not to be ironic, but a a crime. What happened is the people that were in the inner cities in those areas living down there, trying to find a better job, trying to escape, trying to get to the next rung of the social ladder. You have to see what happened in a lot of these cities to avoid engagements. The police reduced patrols. Mm from like 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. And so the people that were living down there, that were not drug dealers, they were living in neighborhoods they could afford, living in neighborhoods they'd lived for generations and just trying to find, where do I go from here? What's my next step? Where's the jobs? Where's where where's the thing? And they're down there and they're the victims of the crimes. And they're the victims of what's going on down there. And then the police defunded or intimidated to the point that they, with the body cams and everything, they don't want engagements. They don't want to go down there and patrol because it's going to create an engagement. It's going to create an engagement on film, and the film's going to be used in a narrative. And so the people that really lose here, he says, and that should be not surprising to anybody to say that 17% of American, uh, African-American or black voters support defunding the police and the 83 percent of them are uh no i i I need the police and i need them to be down here um and i I think there's some cities like dallas that have shown you know exemplary change and then you've got places right now where would you have ever have thought pat that the political polling in oregon would be what it is right now of an election strange why is that did maybe crime and economy ever hit people so hard first thing if you ever build a country and you're competing, say the war, you know, Armageddon happens, there's only a million people left, everyone's thinking about where to put their kids and where to raise their family, the first thing a mom thinks about is the S word. Mm-hmm. It's security and safety. If you can't provide that in any city, in any state, in any country, you lose people, period. Mm-hmm. Mom's going to sit there and say, listen, man, I have one job. The natural instinct of a mom is to protect their kids. You screw with her, 
you you have a wrong enemy. You cannot mess with moms, and that's what they Mama do. Bear, it's just not going to work out. All right, so let's talk about Kanye, because I know you got some thoughts on Kanye. Mm. Uh, I'm going to read both stories, Adam, and then you can uh, comment on it. I'll go first with uh, his comments about George Floyd, and then we'll go into what uh, 50 Cent said. Uh, uh, so I think that's on page uh, six. six or seven. Is it six? Okay, six. Uh, here we go. So Kanye West apologizes for spreading lies about George Floyd's death. This is uh, Kanye offered what the media is calling an apology for comments he made in reference to George Floyd. If you recall, West uh, recently declared that Floyd died from fentanyl and not due to homicide under the knee of the Derek Chauvin. When I see that video as a black person, it hurts my feelings. And I know that pe- uh, police do attack and what America is generally and that America is generally racist. And I understand that when we got to say Black Lives Matter, the idea of it made us feel good together as people now afterwards there were uh there were some things where the money went in order to push us to uh, the democratic vote so when i questioned the death of george floyd it hurt my people i want to apologize because god has showed me by what adidas is doing by what the media is doing i know what it feels to have a knee on my neck right now so and then 50 cent came out and said kanye should master the art of shutting the up okay that's what he said Mm. I've seen people in this position because of uh, things they have done, not things they have said. Now you got to master the art of shutting the hell up. The rapper was reportedly reacting to a CNN headline alleging West has a disturbing history of admiring Hitler. I have never seen anything like this before. A screenshot. I think Kanye should buy the car he likes the best and just ride off into the sunset. It's really a wrap. People are really hurt by this shit. Uh, And there's a bunch of other things that came after that. Black people are actually... Uh, anyways, these are the comments he made about Jews and blacks and comparing them. So, Adam, mm-hmm. thoughts on the story? Look, I haven't really been, obviously, I've been following Kanye, well, for years, obviously, decades now, but obviously, over the last few weeks, I haven't really been too opinionated because I was more asking questions than making statements, something that I think we could all kind of get behind, like, before you start, oh, I believe this, I say this, like, let's hear, let's hear him out, see what he has to say. With that being said, I've really had an opportunity to kind of process what's going on with Kanye and then to a, a bigger context, like the groups or the people that he's really hurting. So number one, um, Kanye is a musical genius. I, I'm, I, like, I'm, I'm okay with saying that. Like he's created amazing music. He's, 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 he's a trailblazer. He's awesome in that regard. But the problem with geniuses sometimes is they, even as great as they are in their respective careers... They have blind spots. Okay, so Kanye, what are some of his blind spots? Clearly, he's a narcissist. Clearly, he has a God complex. He doesn't know how to just be a normal guy. Why would he? He's been pedestaled and elevated and coddled everywhere he's gone over the last 10, 20 years because of the greatness that he's reached. So if you have these blind spots, you don't know how to treat people. You don't know how to interact with people. You're not a man of the people. You're doing things for the attention of your brand. Okay, so... You can be a genius, but also have major issues in your situation. But a a lot of what people aren't really addressing about Kanye, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, is the influence that the Kardashian female matriarchy has had on this man's life. I've said this before. Again, we all know my history with the Kardashians. My best friend, Chris Humphreys, married Kim, 2011. I lived a Kardashian life for a fucking year. I saw this lifestyle, I saw this bubble, and I saw the head of the matriarchy, Kris Jenner, and her influence over all the women in this family. But let's look at what's happened to all the men in this family. And that's what people are not addressing with Kanye. Like, 
All right, we'll start with Bruce Jenner. This was a like world famous Olympian decathlon uh, goat, and now he's a transgender woman. Okay, cool. The father dead. Uh, how did he die? Like at a young age? I don't know. I'm not. That's not a conspiracy. I'm just saying he's died, he died at a young age. If you go down the list, Lamar Odom turned in from an NBA athlete to a literal crackhead. Okay, Scott Disick, who is a good looking young guy, whatever rehab galore, and I'm friends with him, so I'm not talking shit. If you when you look at um, the other men in the family, Rob Kardashian is a recluse, hasn't been seen in years. The women run the show in that family. So when you bring in a leader like Kanye, a man, like a man who like has conviction and you kind of feminize him and say, we run the show now. And he already has mental health issues and bipolar tendencies. Like, how do you expect him to react? And then final point to the Kim K thing is, dude, he's been completely demasculated with this whole Pete Davidson situation where you're going to leave your husband, Kim K, and start parading with this fucking joke of a guy, Pete Davidson. What do you think that's going to do to someone who has a fragile ego and a fragile mental capacity already, despite his, you know, amazing gifts? Like, that's going to fuck you up. So what he's doing and what he's feeling, there's so much going on that it's hard to kind of put yourself in Kanye's shoes because you don't know like when you're operating at such a high level, even Rogan said, like when you plug in, you see what he said about like a hundred electricity volts and, and that's something that's only has a 40 watt capacity. And there's so much going on that how can you restrain that? With that being said, that doesn't excuse what he's been saying specifically about Jews. Now, anytime that you paint a group, whether it's blacks, gays, Jews, Asians, this, and you start group talking rather than individuals, that's going to be a problem. And as a Jew, initially, I didn't overreact. We've had multiple shows about Kanye. I haven't gone off like the wire. But here's what I've learned about Jews, especially talking with friends and especially being around Miami Beach and seeing what's going on. Jews are not fucking playing anymore. All right? We're not fucking playing. Everything that's happened in Jewish history, culminating with the Holocaust, which eventually led to the creation of the State of Israel in 1948, there's been a run-up of Jews being the scapegoat and being the bad guy and being the person or the group of people that were the, the reasons why societies have not thrived and were declining. And it ended with the final solution that Hitler tried to accomplish, murdering six million Jews. And at some point, Jews were like, that's it. And there's a saying in Judaism, never again. So when there's even like a, a small blip on the radar of people painting Jews to be whatever, as a groundswell within Jews, we're like, that ain't fucking happening. And like, if you look at the creation of Israel and what they've been able to do over the last 50, 60 years and become the great powerful nation where you're, a, you're the size of fucking Delaware amongst a sea of Arab people that have always wanted your death and you see what Israel has turned into and the IDF and Mossad and what that's turned into, it's Jews are just not going to accept this anymore. So by default, there's going to be a defensive reaction and also an offensive reaction by Jews to say, listen, Kanye, shut the fuck up. We're not playing like that. We're not playing this game. You've tried to murder every single one of our people. We're not even allowing this to happen. And then for I'll give you one final case example for like the people out there that are like, well, the Jews, they're all in cahoots and they run the world. It's like, well, let's like look here politically in America. Two of the biggest fundraisers for 
in politics on the those are Jews on the left you can point to George Soros he has a very specific agenda whether you agree with it or disagree with it we know that he has an agenda and on the right side of things uh, rest in peace with Sheldon Adelson hardcore Republican hardcore conservative hard like multi 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 millions and billions of dollars that they both put into the system now if Jews are in cahoots to run the world why would two famous Jewish billionaires be completely funding complete opposite agendas like give me an answer to that Mm -hmm. so anyway that's my thoughts on Kanye and anytime you label a group you're going to have an issue especially these days as the Jews I love two of the things you talked. First of all, the anti-Semitic stuff he says is just bad. I mean, people should just be able to look at that and just say, all right, this is just bad. And I think you have seen a lot of people rally, you know, with the Jewish community who are tired of the way anti-Semitism has been tolerated by many for a very long time are saying enough, Kanye, listen. I oftentimes listen to him and I have to be honest, I don't understand a lick of what he's saying. I don't understand a lot of what he's saying. I, I almost feel like this guy is trying to figure out how he feels about stuff out loud. And he should just take a minute to just maybe he's not used to being in the limelight. Maybe he's not in terms of talking about his opinions. You know, he's getting invited on Fox News shows. This is new for him. This is different. It's different. It's one thing to be an artist and to have an opinion. It's another thing, you know, to to be front and center in these types of interviews. I think he needs to sit back and he needs to think a little bit about how he feels about stuff, about what he might be asked, about what he's comfortable putting out there. It seems to me now that this stuff about George Floyd, he's walking this back saying, you know, well, I needed to clarify. Well, that involves thinking about how you really feel about issues and understanding that once you put it out there, it's very hard to say, oh, no, actually, what I really meant is this. So even though he's famous, he's front and center for his, you know, artistic work and all of that, he hasn't been famous in this way, you know, you know, looking to become the CEO of Parler and getting highly political when it comes to his content. And when you get highly political, Every time, you know, I always say every time I open my mouth, half the country's going to hate what I say. But a lot of it is very well thought out beforehand. You know, I want to make sure I'm comfortable with what I'm saying. If I'm comfortable with what I'm saying, cool. Half the country can hate what I'm saying. But I don't know that he's always comfortable with the message he's putting out there. Then there seems to be a some reflection and then he kind of changes it. So he just needs to understand he's in new turf right now. And he's going to be held accountable for the things he says when it comes to politics, when it comes to comments like this. So this anti-Semitic stuff rubs a lot of people wrong, rightfully so. I love that angle you took with the Kardashians. The Kardashian culture is incredibly toxic. I mean, that is, you want to talk about we talk about toxic masculinity. That's actually toxic femininity. That's the face of it. Her face, that whole family, it's a, it's a hot mess. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to blame the Kardashians for what's happening to Kanye in any way because I think he had some troubled stuff going on with himself before. But I don't see how any strong, opinionated man survives that mm. place. I don't, I don't think it's possible. I mean, I think that's why you see the Pete Davidsons. I mean, these are all just – That's not. I don't even know that that's real. But I don't think it helped him to be in that culture. You're a strong, opinionated guy who's going to see the world differently potentially than them. You're not going to survive that. You're going to come out there frustrated, antagonized. So I don't think it helped. Do I think it caused some of what we're seeing now in terms of his content? No, but I, I certainly don't think it helped him to be to be on the more stable side of issues. Um, I just think he needs to think. Like he needs to reflect. He needs to because you need to own what you say. You know, and people need to apologize. If he doesn't feel that way, he should apologize. If he does feel that way, he should own it. And, you know, consequences come when they come. And if companies don't want to associate with him or whatnot, he's going to have to deal with that consequence. But I I find him an incredibly odd figure when I listen to him. I find myself trying to decipher 
what, what? And oftentimes I'm, I'm lost in a cave. I'm like, what, what is he saying? What's going on? And I don't know if that's a, people say, oh, it's mental health. I don't know what it is. Is it just a guy who's new to this component and trying to figure out where he stands on stuff mm-hmm. out loud? I don't know. Quick, I really don't Quick know. response just on the Kardashian thing. Um, just to kind of give you a, a case example. Kanye has been very explicit. He has major problems with, uh, I, he, I don't know what he calls her exactly, but uh, Chris Jenner, like Commandant Chris or General Chris. They kind of has like a little funny word for her. Basically, she's the dictator, right? Yeah, I believe it. And the problem that happened with my friend, what he's a good guy from, he's from the Minneapolis Midwestern values. When he got into the family married, they're like, all right, this is the way we do things around here. This mm-hmm. is the way we're going to operate. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. And like the, to the point where he's like, yeah, like you're going to move to Minneapolis and be a part of like, she's like, are you fucking kidding? I'm staying in LA. Like we're doing LA. And that was part, they're like, hey, you should probably have that conversation before you got married. But that was the whirlwind situation that that was. But here's a guy with like actual principles and Midwestern good values that got, you know, infiltrated into this LA Hollywood toxic feminism scene that you're talking about. And it just obviously wouldn't work. But Kanye was been in that for 10 years. Like what kind of stuff do you think that's happened to his mentality since that? So I think that I think even if you're in it though, like the Kardashian clan and what they do and what they're capable of and all the women. And it's like, Mm -hmm. there's something odd, even if you're in the entertainment culture and in the entertainment business, I think there's something deeply odd about the way they build their their empire and the stuff that they do. And I, I just I don't understand why any Midwestern guy, truthfully, I don't successful. I don't I don't know what the draw is there. I mean, I really don't. There's a whole lot of fake going on. Anyone who markets themselves, by the way, I always tell people as just pure fake top to bottom. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, probably that you're mm. not going to like. But yeah, I think that I think I believe that I believe that you walk into that as a guy and it's just like. Sit down, shut up. We're going to tell you how it's going to go. Yeah. That would certainly not work for a Kanye, which is why I would wonder why you would even go there. That's certainly not going to work for any guy who wants some autonomy over his own life and his own media presence and his own. I mean, it's like you walk in there and it's like, is it a contract? Do you sign a form that you give your life away? It wouldn't surprise me um, for the gift of being with a Kardashian. Mm-hmm. So is, is it fair to to ask, like, you, you have zero interest in Kim, even though she's single right now? <laughs> <laughs> just, Kim, you have my number. Wouldn't that be the plot twist we all need? <laughs> but do you think that actually, like, remove the Jed you know, hat and just put yourself in a typical yeah. woman these days. Like, do you actually think that women think that the Kardashians and the Jenners all that are actually toxic for women or are they actually more of a, uh, you know, like a hero or like someone you look at as like, I want to be like them more put on a pedestal. Like, as a woman, not Jed, mm. how do you think women well, process? Like, it's hard for me to remove no, exactly. my entire mindset exactly. from Clearly, it. But I think it's split. I think yeah. there's people who look at them as females and feel like they're destroying culture. Like women are saying, you know, they're fake, they're phony. You know, you have tons of girls throughout the country that are going into doctor's offices and saying, give me the Kardashian face. I mean, mm-hmm. they're marketing themselves as real. They're not. Look, I mean, just look at the look. Just look at the images of them and the progression. They, they're not owning the reality of what they're even living. So I think there's a segment of the female population that knows that this is bad for future generations of girls that know that Kim Kardashian became famous from a sex tape that 
many have come out now and, and speculated and, and some have attested, alleged that it, it was organized by, you know, Chris her Jenner. mom. So, you know, there's a lot of darkness and weirdness about it. And then I think there are the cult following, like young girls that just see a bunch of women and they're like, they're famous and they're curious and they're like, oh, if I do this, will I be famous? This is how you get followers. Look at Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner is famous because she completely altered her appearance and Mm -hmm. she became, I mean, another version of Kim Kardashian. She kind of looks like this odd version of her sister. I don't know that she would be famous had she not done that. In fact, I know that she wouldn't. Is she successful? Has she built a billion dollar business? Is she sure? Great. You know, I'm not taking that away from her, but a lot of their fame is attributed to a sex tape and a lot of this physical distortion that's happened. So do I think there are a lot of moms out there and women out there that have a problem with that and don't want their young girls modeling themselves off the Kardashians? Absolutely. You know what's crazy? The craziest thing? Because I, I went over all the guys in the family that have had major issues or whatever. I didn't talk about Tristan Thompson, the NBA player. He's kind of been yeah. cheating allegations with Chloe and all that nonsense. But you know whose name I don't hear a lot about and people kind of forget? That Travis Scott, one of the oh, yeah. biggest rappers alive right now, like is brother-in-laws with Kanye. Like he's in that family. Yeah. You very rarely hear anything about him and his involvement in that family. Does he play along? Maybe he plays along. I don't know. That's my point. Is like he has his rap career, and obviously we know what happened with him at the that festival where a handful of people were killed. And but like as far as Kardashian and it, it, like issues, you don't hear a lot about that. We'll see what happens with Travis Scott because he hasn't been in the news in that regard. So last question, 30 seconds. Will Kanye make a comeback or is this a downfall that's going to be hard to recover from that's going to take a few years to come back? I'll be very clear. Unless his music lives up to the standards that he's already put out there, I do not think so. Because people aren't trying to hear Kanye for his political views or his business ideas. You know, there's a famous saying, I miss the old Kanye. I miss the old... People actually miss the old Kanye because of his music, not because of his ideology. So, no. I don't think there will be a comeback unless the music... You think think he's done done? What do you think? Oh, I I think he really showed his true colors. I mean, I think this... I I said this yesterday. I think this is absolute cowardice. He said stupid shit for 10 years. He's gotten backlash since Trump ran. He wore the freaking MAGA hat. And now, all of a sudden, he loses the $2 billion. He loses his endorsements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. America's racist. Uh, George Floyd died from a knee on the neck, um, you know, just begging for forgiveness for his $2 billion back. And granted, I've never lost $2 billion in a day. But no, I I, I think he showed his true colors, and I don't think he makes a comeback. That's it. You think it's done that? I think think he showed his fans, like the people that follow him now not for music but outside that i think you he think, showed you exactly think kevin spacey ever comes back and becomes kevin spacey without us looking at him the way we looked at him i think so but i think it's two different things music is inherently fad based right and trend based mm-hmm. whereas an actor and actress can come back as an as an older version of themselves particularly males yeah. not, not not females as much because once you're 40 in hollywood don't Attack me here. You're 80. You're, oh, I'm you're, not going to attack you're, you. I'm going to agree with you. No, sure, seriously. Once you're 40 as a female, you're 80. But what? can Kevin Spacey come back? I mean, look at... Well, I like to look at Michael Keaton. He didn't have like a crisis, but let's just take a look. He had this lull where his career was gone. And all of a sudden, he's he came back. And there was things in his career. Well, look, that's the way Hollywood works because acting is different than music. Music is fad-based. I think it's really hard for uh, Kanye to come back. What do you think, Pat? You know, for me, here's here's what we're learning. Who you can call out 
and who you cannot call out. Like there, there is, <laughs> there are certain people in the room you can insult, and certain people you cannot insult. Uh, you're, you're, you're really seeing who is one of the most powerful communities in America. That if you even get close to insulting or touching, what the consequences could be. And he's feeling it right now, especially the way he that he did it. Because you can you can insult whites as much as you want, you're not going to get in trouble. That's just the truth of it. You can people say stuff about the white community, and they butcher them around and trash them and say whatever they want. Pretty much, you can pretty much say everything you want. No one says anything. God forbid you say certain things about certain communities. Ooh, you're permanently done. What he's saying is not, uh, you know, people have said it on the opposite side. I can, if I really wanted to do a case study, I can go on the opposite side and see how many people have said stuff about, you know, uh, uh, you, you have to be careful saying stuff about Muslims, but you can say whatever you want about Christians. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful about what you say about blacks, but you can say whatever you want about whites. You have to be careful saying whatever you want about Jews, but you can say whatever. This is, this is also a slippery slope for me. Now, obviously, what he said and the way he said it, Death con. What do you say? Death con. Death con. What, are you, what are you doing? So, I mean, but but a lot of it for me comes from a standpoint of oh my gosh, who is really running this country to protect those few that we cannot touch? That that's the one part that that becomes a bit of a slippery slope on uh, who you can call out and who you cannot call out. And we we just learned it. This this is known as one of the greatest artists. Few things that I don't like about what he does, like. Posting text messages you get from people on your Instagram, back to back to back to back to back to back to back. That's a character flaw. You can't do that. What are you, what are you doing posting text messages you're getting from yeah. people on your Instagram? You go to his Instagram profile, it's all text. Why are you doing that? Do you know that's permanent? Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that's yeah, permanent? Yeah, if you delete it. Yeah, it's, like, that's permanent. Like, that yeah, that's evident. permanent. Like permanently you're not going to be texted by people. You have to. You can't even go on Signal. Like it's you, there's certain behavior that to me is not has nothing to do with this. To me, it has to do with a complete different thing. That is um, challenges you go through. You got to be very who's what what real qualified woman like a the kind of wife that he wants. Who's going to want to be with a guy like him today, knowing that at any point he can put your business on blast publicly. And by the way, the same goes with the Kardashians. What guy, a real, real, not, not if you want to marry a celebrity because you have to stay within the celebrity world, I get it. Like, who's Kim going to date next and marry? Let's face it. There's odds out there for this, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I saw I that. I think you know? uh, Vance is, uh, what's his name? Vance, uh, Vance Jones? For some reason, he's at the top of the list. Yeah. But, but the point being, who's she going to end up with? She can only be with a power player. She's not going to end up with it. Like, Pete Davidson's like... Yeah, okay, good. You had fun six months. You really messed with, you know... Uh, mess with Kanye. Who, who, who did Pete date that the ex killed himself or committed suicide? Mac, Mac Miller, Miller. Mac Miller, right? So, yeah. so the, the Pete's, Pete's also a dark character. He's also a guy no, that... that was Ariana Grande with Mac Miller. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Ariana Grande. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a follower. Who she, of who she was engaged to Pete Davidson. That's where yeah, the so, stars align. So, right I there. mean, look, there's a lot of people involved in a situation like this, but to me it's more about character and who you have to go back. Like, hey, J-Lo... You went, your, your brand was very good when you were Ben Affleck. Those are the conversations in this world. So are you really going to be with somebody that you're laying next to in bed wanting to have a conversation? How was your day? Or is it really, did you see my Q score went up after we got married three <laughs> months ago? What a bullshit conversation to have at night laying next to a person. But that's the reality but, of that but life. But the point is, what a waste of a life. What a waste of a life.
What a waste of a life. Favorite parts of my life are conversations, relationships, moments, experiences that are re, real, raw, genuine moments. You're going through troubles. We sit down, we have a conversation. You're in tears. You're opening up. I'm talking to you. This is between us. That's a bond, right? Mm-hmm. You're going through a challenge. No one knows about it. We're sharing that. That's life. This this is bullshit. This is just, and, and, and I hope people watching this younger generation is not sitting there saying, man, I really want to be in this kind of mess. It's a complete different life. Anyway, so that's my opinions. I just think certain people have a little too much power today. You can't talk about them. It, well, it scares the crap out of them. Back to your people. initial question. Yeah. Do you think Kanye makes a comeback I to think the he point does. where he was? You I do? Think he, I think he does, but I think it's going to take four to five years. I think it's going to take a while. I think it's going to take a while. This is America. You have to realize one thing about America. America is very annoying with stars, and they want to see them fall. They want to see them fall. But but they love redemption and comebacks. This is America, man. This is America. You know, like the whole concept of the church. What's the church? If you're like a born-again type of thing, hey, if you're born again, all your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. America, if it was a religion, it's a similar feeling because we will judge you all the way to the end. But, man, when you fall, year later, two years later, we can't wait for you to come back and a changed human being, hopefully, and you got new thing that we can learn from you and redeem yourself hopefully i don't know if it's gonna happen his problem though pat i think is that he made everybody mad like so he made the people initially he made the comments and he made a whole bunch of people mad yeah he's anti-semitic he's that then he apologizes and now he makes a whole bunch of other people mad that are saying oh why are you caving to the mob but that's character right that's a character flaw when you do that that you said no, something is. earlier. You said every time I open my mouth, I offend half. So what he did is he opened his mouth and he opened his mouth. Right. Yeah. Right. So he That's offended hundred percent. What right. are you doing, bro? Yeah. Take a position. Right. At least, at least I respect AOC because she takes a position. Takes a position. Mm-hmm. You took a position. Go for it. So now when you're flip flopping, right. John Kerry lost the election years ago because he flip flopped. Two mm-hmm. audiences gave two different messages. America doesn't like flip floppers. One so, more thing with Kanye. I agree. Like, whether That's it's politics, point. whether it's your your brand, your personality. Mm-hmm. You have to have a base. We all know this. You got to yeah. play to your base, your base, your base. So who's Kanye's base? Who does right. he actually care about? Obviously, he cares a lot about his people, black people. Like he says this, oh, I got to take care of my people. I got to help my people. Is there anything that his people are not down with more than MAGA? Mm. Okay? Like straight up, just look at the, re- like black people don't feel MAGA. I actually, I disagree for, with that. For 90%, that's great. Um, but his... Black people aren't feeling MAGA. Disagree or not, I'm letting you know that ain't that's the case. Secondly, when you go white lives matter, you think black people are down with that? I'm saying as a group, no. So he's he's doing things, and then black people, I think for the most part, agree that George Floyd may have had uh, fentanyl in his system, but he died because someone, an officer's Listen, knee was on the back of his neck. There's not a lot of harder guys in the hip hop world than Kevin Gates. Mm-hmm. Have you heard what he said? Or Ice Cube? Remember what Ice Cube oh, said? Oh, yeah. Go, After- go, go with Kevin Gates, though. Go with Kevin Gates. First of all, I love Kevin Gates. And, you know, some of the stuff that he says, just like the benefit of being a street guy and an artist where you've partied with all these guys, and then you're like, wait, you, the only pieces, the only people who give me a hard time with my success is my own people. He says, I've never had a white person that's unhappy for my success. Mm. So that conversation is being had, and it needs to be had. You know, for long, I can bring up a lot of different things that has to do with this, and every community, 
Every community has areas to improve in. Every community. So, yeah. so that that part is all that, that I thought that part he made a lot of progress in, but he just messed it up when he went to where he was at here. This Kevin Gates. If you've not seen this, we can't play it. You got to go watch what Kevin Gates says here. It's fantastic, and and I think more people like him needs to be out there talking himself, Cube, uh, and when Kanye was making some points. But anyways, we can we can get away from this topic because we got a few other topics before we bring to find out what the hell is going on in uh, with this oil situation and this trust. So Elon Musk, let's talk about Musk. A lot's going on with Musk. Um, he's been trolling trolls and he's bullying the bully, and people are losing their minds. Tom and I were talking about. You said something yesterday, Tom about Canada, right, where, you know, a lot of people that say, oh, I'm going to leave America. We're going to go to Canada if Trump gets elected. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave Twitter, and I'm going to go somewhere else if Musk buys Twitter. Well, guess what? I asked the question yesterday. I said, what is the Canada for Twitter for people that want to leave Twitter? There is a liberal social media site called Tribal. Have you heard about Tribal? Yes. Have you no. guys heard about Tribal or no? no? So I, I actually went and looked them up, and their mission statement, if you go on their Twitter account, go to Twitter put a tribal uh, Twitter profile and 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 their mission statement is actually very interesting. I hope they pinned it to the top. That's not the one. It's another one. Uh, anyways, I think it's called tribal social or something like that. And they said what we do is um, tribal um, social. There's a streaming music service called Tribal, right? Oh, title. Man. You're talking about title. It's called T I D A L title. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there was something just, out there that I'm we saw this. But let me let me just read this with Musk. Let me just read this with Musk. I'll look it up here in a minute. Uh, verified Twitter users may soon have to pay monthly fee to keep their badge under Musk's leadership. Okay, this is a story that just came out. Uh, Twitter executives spend the weekend discussing a possible uh, 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 change to social media platform where users have to pay a subscribe Twitter Blue badges. Twitter Blue right now is four ninety nine. It's actually a great service, by the way. Uh, launched last year as Platforms Premium, offering given users access to new features like customizable app icons, the ability to undo or bookmark tweets, and a reader mode or more easily view long threads of posts. A verification tier subscription may cost $19.99 a month, The Verge reported. Should Twitter require payments for its verified status, it would be the first major American social media app to do so, as most platforms offer the feature for free. So what do you think about this $20 a month concept, Tom? Here's what I think about it. Elon Musk is, knows how to make money, and he knows what he's doing here. And what people don't know, and I spoke to two people yesterday, and I said, um, let me ask you a question. Do you pay the $34.99 on LinkedIn? Well, yeah, I do. Why? Well, because I get the profile, I get all that, and all of a sudden they stopped. They're like, oh. So in other words, LinkedIn free, you only get you so far, but if you pay the $34.99, you get all the other benefits. And the power users... HR people, recruiters, they have to pay the big fees so that they can have more than 500 outreaches per month on LinkedIn. All that Elon Musk is doing is bringing commerce elements to Twitter that are indeed valuable, that if you want them, you pay for them. And I think it's taking a page right out of uh, the most profitable social network in history, LinkedIn and Reid Hoffman. That's what I think is going on. And it's a little more charged and a little bit more exciting and a little bit more debated right now. But that's all he's doing. That's all he's doing. He's following the LinkedIn model. That's right. You I actually think he's uh, following I someone else's model, the Jeff Bezos Amazon Prime model. He sees what his boy mm -hmm. Bezos is doing. Who wouldn't have Amazon Prime to uh, free delivery and all that? 
you're signing up for that, especially think, if you got some money. You're like, of course I'll do this. So he's not an idiot. He knows how to make money. He sees what LinkedIn's doing, what Amazon's doing. He's going to charge for premium where, where does, service. Where does Reed, Reed come from? The PayPal mafia, right? Correct. Right. I think you're making the same point with a different uh, entrepreneur, Correct. but it's the same point. It's like, you know what? Let's go make some money on this. This can't just be eyeballs from here to Mars and back, right? Mm-hmm. Because eyeballs doesn't make me money. And so I think what he's done here, it's a lightning rod for controversy, but he's just looking at it and saying, everybody else pays for something valuable on the platform, whether it's Amazon Prime or or basic LinkedIn. Damn it, they're going to pay that here. Do you think it incentivizes the the concept of like then everyone's going to have a verified badge? Like everyone, just because they're going to view it as a money-making opportunity, so it's going to basically be everywhere for as sure. opposed to. So is, that ju- is it just like meaningless then at that point? I agree. I think it all depends. Is it curated? It's like you have to go, like, if you want to get an insurance license, you have to take a test, but then you have the license. Is there going to be some level of curation there, right? right? Like, I'm going to say, look, all right, I validated your presence, whatever it is, you know, social media influencer, media personality, politician, all those categories, a business executive that's noteworthy. Okay, so we validated you. Mm -hmm. You passed the test. Would you like to pay $20 Mm -hmm. for the blue check? I, I hope they keep doing it that way so that it's curated credibility. Mm. Okay, so let me, take, let me take a couple things here. I think what he's doing is genius. I, somebody asked me a question, what would you do about this? I said, if I could get in right now and invest five, 10 million bucks, I'm in it right now, I would invest into Twitter. I said it before, this thing's gonna be a trillion dollar app and I'm saying it again. I believe it's gonna be a trillion dollar company because this guy knows how to make money and the things he's making are not dumb. He asked a question the other day, what yep. should we do to increase the value of TikTok? To va- increase the value of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. People started responding. One of the first people that responded was Mr. Beast. And Mr. Beast says, whatever you do, don't do something that's easily duplicatable and copied because other people will do it. Okay? Other people will do Mr. Beast's advice. Fantastic advice. Then others said, bring back Vine. So he did a poll talking about, should I bring back Vine? Five million people voted. Okay? 70% of people said, bring back Vine. 70% said, bring you back. 30% said, don't bring you back. And the part about doing the verified stuff that they're paying 20 bucks a month, you know what I like about the $20 a month concept, Tom? Here's what I like about it. I like the fact that now all of those gaslighting fake Twitter profiles that made us think somebody's a bad person or not, gone. So guess what? Well, you know, watch what all these people are saying on the Twitter. They're defending this. Or they're against this. Really, how many of them are blue check marks? Because you can go buy it if you're a real account. Go pay 20 bucks a month. Well, you know, no, it's just now we know what bots are. So I get so many bot comments on Instagram. This person changed my life because of the crypto course I took. I don't even know how to eliminate these guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, you know which ones I'm talking about? Believe they come me. out of nowhere. Eliminate I, and by the way, even on YouTube, our clips we put... Do you know on Valuetainment, you see those clips on the bottom, it says, with the Valuetainment logo yeah. or PBD Podcast logo, and they say, DM me for advice on business with Bitcoin. Every time I block them, Google doesn't block all of them. They just block that one comment. Correct. They don't block the user. So if Musk can get rid of bots, if Musk can get rid of the bullshit, if Musk can get rid of all these gamification that's taking place, I think this app is poised to be a very, very powerful app. And for those who don't like it, there's an option. To, I just texted it to you. If you want to pull it up before we go, talk to our friend here, Sankey. Uh, this this other company is called uh, uh, Tribal Social, and this is their mission statement. To all the Trump supporters who are accusing us of censoring them on our social network, 
We don't censor any post. Our algorithms simply filter out fake news, bigotry, and hostility. If you want to trend on our network, your post must be factual and free of bigotry. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want, folks, go on Tribal Social. If you actually like discourse and exchange of ideas and arguments back and forth, you know, somebody may or may not agree with you, then you may want to stay on Twitter. I like what uh, yesterday Ricky Gervais retweeted a clip from uh, the Late Late Light Show, the guy that got in trouble last week for the restaurant, James Corden. Hmm. And James Corden said, listen, as if Twitter didn't suck enough, Elon Musk found a way to make it suck even more to charge $20 a month. He says, but let me talk to the people on the other side. He says, you know what Twitter's like sometimes? Did you see this or not? I thought the way he explained it was awesome. He says, you know what Twitter's like? Here's what Twitter's like. Twitter's like somebody goes post a poster of guitar lessons in New York, uh, New York City, and a person goes up to it and screams, saying, I cannot believe you post the poster for guitar lessons. What about people who love piano? He says, just walk past the poster. <laughs> if you don't like the poster, walk past it. And then the other guy's like, and then if you post piano, what about people who don't have hands that can't play the piano? Dude, just don't <laughs> look at the poster. So it was so funny listening to both sides of the argument, mm-hmm. what James was saying. But I'm excited about what uh, Musk is doing. Quite frankly, the fact that it, there's so many unknowns, what this guy's going to be doing is interesting. I cannot wait to see what happens to it. But with that being said, we have our friend here from Sankey Research. How you doing? Well, a bit rough, but okay. A bit rough? Tell us why it's a bit rough. What's happening? Yeah. Well, you know what happened yesterday? What happened? I mean, you're talking about the Liz Halloween. Trust story? Halloween, uh, Halloween parade in West Village. Oh, so, so that, I've got a little bit of eye makeup on you might see, which is uh, from last night. I, I should share a photo of it. You got a little bit of static when you're speaking. Can can you do that without that mic or no? Because that mic is giving us a little bit of static. Maybe if you can do it with the it, computer mic, it may be a little bit better. I don't know if you know how to do that or not. It's kind of high risk. Um, let's see how it goes. Uh, okay, I mean, we'll just work with that right now. I'll just get into the question due to time that we have, and we'll keep it brief. But... You, 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 it's still the same. You saw the story with Liz Trust may have a problem. Did Russia hack her phone? A story came out by Daily Mail on Sunday claimed that former foreign secretary, former foreign secretary and prime minister Liz Trust's private cell phone was hacked by foreign agents suspected of working for the Kremlin and that the hack was discovered during the Conservative Party leadership campaign that took place through the summer. Foreign agents were able to intercept messages sent to sent by the soon-to-be prime minister about the war in Ukraine. In a tweet published on Sunday, Kim.com, the German-Finnish entrepreneur and activist who founded Megaplod, Mega Upload, on an online file hosting service that was shut down by the U.S. government, claimed that the Russians knew the British government had a hand in the Nord Stream explosions because of a message sent by Trust from her personal iPhone to Secretary uh, State Anthony Blinken, apparently 10 minutes after the attack, the, the what do you call it, the explosion, her saying it's done. So what are your opinions about these stories? I'm sure you're following it closely. My reaction when it first happened was that this is, this is a false flag type operation, that this has been blown up by the Polish, by the UK, special forces, whatever, because I couldn't see any interest in Putin blowing up one of his own weapons you know now there's an alternate theory which is that he's deliberately showing you know what economic havoc he could wreak if he wanted to essentially threatening nato because the baltic sea where the explosion happened is just about the most heavily defended uh, nato sea right it's swarming with nato 
So the question is, how did the Russians get in there and do it, or did NATO do it themselves? It was, as you know, the pipeline was blown up on the day that the Baltic pipeline started delivering to Poland. Um, you know, so it was it was very strange timing to say the least. And as I said, I just couldn't see a reason why Putin would do that to himself strategically, so unless are, are he was double thinking. So that he could accuse the West of doing it, so that he could attack the West more. I mean, it's crazy, but you know, what do you know? So, look, this is this is your role again. If you don't mind, take twenty seconds. Just just tell the audience your background, uh, what you did, so they know because you've been back here now three or four times with us. If you don't mind, just letting people know what your background is, and then let let us know the following. So, are you saying there is a possibility that Liz Truss knew and she was involved? with helping Blinken? You think there is a possibility of that? So one, if you don't mind giving us your background, and then two, is there a possibility that happened? Well, to possibilities, yeah, that's what I'm saying. My background is I've been an oil analyst for 30 years since Saddam invaded Kuwait in 1990. Uh, you know, in sort of competition terms for about three straight years, I was the number one ranked oil analyst on Wall Street working for Deutsche Bank. And then I've been at a couple of boutiques. I was at a Japanese bank, and now I have my own firm so, doing, doing energy analysis. Uh, I appreciate that. So, just so for the audience to know, this is not just somebody that uh, you know had a hardcore Halloween party till late night last night. That's mm-hmm. telling us what's going on here with the, the the issue with UK, Russia, and Blinken. So, if this is true and this is verified, how how ugly is this? How bad is this? And how will a you know how do you, how bad do you think things can be if there is credibility behind the story? Well, look, you know these the fog of war. We, we don't know, but what's tragic is that when this all started, because I think Putin made a huge mistake, and particularly his military performed absolutely abysmally. So now he's in a jam and he can't back down. So that's a nightmare. I mean, we had security con- uh, consultants on our on our call. We do a weekly call like you guys with you know top clients and the the fear was that he was going to aleppo they said that the, if this is a, a quagmire which it will be he's going to aleppo ukraine which is to say in aleppo which is one of the most uh, significant cities in the world historically and culturally in syria the russians just bonded to the ground you know they just wasted it and so what they're doing now, which is absolutely tragic and horrific, is they're essentially just taking down Ukraine to dust, you know, and it's just a nightmare. So there's that. For the West, I think the feeling is that Biden has actually managed this okay. You know, he hasn't crossed any red lines. He's kept the pressure on Putin. You know, we just don't know how far Putin will go. He's threatening nuclear, which obviously is terrifying, but he may just not be able to take that final step. I asked the State Department, you know, can he just hit a big red button? And they said, no, you know, there is a chain of command on nuclear, so he has to have at least three mm-hmm. people agree to use it. Mm-hmm. And and the guy, by the way, added, and, you know, we looked at this very closely uh, because of Donald Trump. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so uh, there is a chain of command, and you can't just hit a big red button, but it's obviously terrifying. It's a bad situation, man, bad Paul, uh, gas prices going up, going down, staying flat. What do you think is going to happen with gas prices due to this? What we call gas, which is natural gas, is under a lot of pressure. So that's natural gas that you use, you know, for heating homes and everything. There's too much supply in the U.S., actually, interestingly. So even though European gas prices are very, very high, um, we we, we don't have a problem here right now. The gas price is under a lot of pressure. The gas price at the pump, the gasoline price... 
Uh, we think oil is going back to, uh, we're targeting 120 Brent by next um, driving season, which was, is going to be May 2023. Right now it's printing, uh, let me see here, around 95. Uh, it's 94.38 right now. So we think there's, it's going back to 120 a barrel. And unfortunately, that's going to make the gasoline price go back up again because there's fundamentally a, a twofold problem that the president, frankly, doesn't seem to understand at all. Number one is this not enough oil supply and using the strategic petroleum reserve for oil supply is obviously unsustainable and that will end towards the end of this year. So you're going to lose a million barrels a day of supply from emergency storage by the end of this year. And secondly, there's not enough refining capacity. So that keeps gasoline prices very tight relative to crude. And again, the president simply just doesn't seem to understand this, but that's essentially the problem. And the reason you've shut down a lot of refineries is that you're worried about emissions and refineries generate huge emissions. So again, he doesn't seem to understand that you shut down refineries because of environmental pressure from the government. But if you put all those things together, I'm afraid it looks like gasoline prices are going to stay pretty elevated. Got it. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Have sure. a good one again. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, by the way, if, if this if this story is real, if this story is real and he's saying it's real, what do you mean it's done? And blinking, you're texting it. How, how do you process that whole concept of 10 minutes after the explosion happened, she texts Blinken saying it's done? That's very confusing. How do you process it, Tom? I, I think there's a chess game that's played in the international arena that is beyond the narratives that that we see um and something that that he just brought up like about uh, natural gas united states um you you know where canada gets its natural gas Mm. from the united states you know how much natural gas they get from the united states all of it you know so we are we are opec to canada natural natural gas and so when you look at the reason i bring that up that's not a, a stray statistic if you really step back and look at the chess game that is the world energy market, mm-hmm. it's not as simple as, as well, OPEC is a bunch of people that turn the spigot on, turn the spigot off, raise the price up or not. Listen to what he was just saying. He, when he was talking about it, uh, the prices, he said Brent. There's three crude bases that are, that are meaningful to the United States. One is Middle East, light sweet. Then there's Brent or North Sea, as it's called. And then there's also uh, North Dakota and a thing they call WTI, West Texas Intermediate, which comes out of Permian Basin. There's all of these markets of fuel that are everywhere. And when you step back, the, the geopolitical forces that are behind this are so much different than we see at the average level. It would not surprise me that in the chess game of Putin, that what basically what we would World War II speaking here, the allies did was to say, you know what, we're going to hit the pipeline because it's going to cause this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. And there you go. And, you know, in the meantime, you know, the president speaks out of the other side of his mouth because if you don't think we knew about that or winked at it, you don't understand the power of of the United States on a military stage around the world. If you don't think we winked at that, number one. And then two days later, what is Biden doing? I'm going to put a tax on there for this windfall tax on all these oil companies. Really? Why don't you backtrack some of the political donations of the American Energy Consortium? And I think it's just a bigger chess game than people understand. But you know who knows the truth about this? Like there's probably only one person likely, I mean, that actually knows the truth, 
and that's Putin. Either he ordered this or he didn't. So if he ordered it, he knows what's going on. But if he didn't give this order, he knows that there's some some stu- foul stuff at play. Somebody Something just, smells in Denmark, right? Something rotten in Denmark. Something is rotten in yeah, Denmark. Yeah, so ultimately he knows what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? I don't know if there's been any... Did, did Paul Sankey basically say he believes that this was the hands of the British via America, via the EU, what have you? Is that what he kind of said? So... I believe it. I believe it because it helps Baltic and it it helps it helps neutralize Putin because now Putin has to do two things. One, you know, whose pipeline is that? Mm -hmm. Who owns Nord Stream? Russia, Russians and the Germans. Yeah. What did we just do? We turned off the cash register on Nord Stream. They're not delivering. And so they're not getting paid. Meanwhile, the Baltic pipeline is on. So I'm saying you got to step back and look at this like in three dimensions it's just not hard but it takes time right and this is putin's sole big money maker like what's the famous phrase about russia that russia's really just a gas station masquerading as a country so if you cut off their money supply oil supply you know there goes their revenue so who knows what actually is happening here but it would be a a gangster ass move by the uh, the British if that's exactly what happened. So I'm listening to this and it's just making me curious about, you know, the midterms are going to come and go and then the focus is going to shift very quickly to the presidential election. And I'm just curious how much of that presidential election, how much do voters care about these very specific issues we're talking about, about oil supply, which comes down to drilling which the Biden administration has stood against in numerous instances. How much do they care about lifting regulations on the refineries, which would then increase the capacity of those refineries? And how much do they care about where does the voting public stand on involvement in this foreign policy stuff? Liberals, you know, for a long time claimed to be non-interventionists. Now I see them all with Ukrainian flags all over their, you know, uh, bios and their wanting us to give more aid to Ukraine, which in turn is deepening our involvement in that whole situation. I see mostly conservatives saying, get out. This is none of our business. You know, becoming more non-interventionist, which is why, by the way, a guy like Trump won in, the, in his election to begin with because he was relatively non-interventionist and conservatives are more non-interventionist than people realize because when they think of conservatives, they think of, you know, the Liz Cheney's and the John McCain's and that's not reflective of what the conservative voter looks like in large part. But I'm just curious how much this is going to come into play because some of it is directly related to economy. It's directly related to economy and security, which mm-hmm. are the two issues that we've really been talking about throughout this whole podcast. So, Maybe this all comes front and center. And rather than having a largely domestic policy conversation, it becomes much more of a foreign policy conversation for for those that are going to be running for the next time around. What people don't understand is, uh, is I felt that there is a far left agenda that really just wants to neutralize the United States and to bring upon this, you know, this liberal world equality and, and globalism pure. And so when you put pipelines across the Midwest United States, which they canceled, when you and by the way, everybody sees on the news about the drilling permits, right? Nobody sees anything, anything about the refinery permits. It doesn't matter how much oil you have if you can't heat it up and turn it into aviation gas, kerosene, diesel and gasoline and nylon. So if you can't if you can't refine it, then you can't do all these things. And if you take a look 
at the reality of what's up there. Do you remember when North Dakota had a real economic boom? It's when the Saudis artificially kept the price of oil too high. And what happened was, if that's the everybody goal, was moving to North Dakota, because yep. if the price of a barrel was that high, then that's the price they have to work with to get the heat into the earth mm-hmm. to extract the shale oil. Yeah. When the price comes back down, and I think it was sixty dollars, that if if uh, crude on a national basis, I mean global basis, goes below sixty, suddenly it's not economically viable to pull shale oil. So what you do is you pause, and I can turn it back on when the price is there. The other side is Anwar, what's up in um, Alaska. Mm-hmm. If we were to drill and put pipelines in, you, and this will shock you, it is five to seven years to full energy independence, and right. and we would have more clout than Venezuela and UAE put together on a global stage to export crude. Who? And by the way, what happens then? The power and elevation and stature of the United States as a... As, and the potential to be a bully, you know, goes up. And all the globalists are like, we can't have that happen. So they don't want drilling, they don't want permitting, and they don't want pipelines. This is a big chess game, and this mm-hmm. is all what's going there. And I think it's, uh, you know, this is the part that that drives me yeah. really. Well, Jed, back to your uh, initial question, like how much does the American mm-hmm. voter care about these mm-hmm. essentially nuanced discussions about mm-hmm. oil and, and shale and burning no, zero. They care about the price at the pump. That's it. Like, I just learned something from BizDoc, and part of me is like, oh, that's very interesting. But all of the above can bring your price to the pump to yeah, one. Yeah, but nobody cares, is my point. They, oh, just, no, they, they, they care about 175 they No, just they don't care, about, care about, the, about all the dominoes. Price the price at the pump. They don't care. Well, you got to understand that Anwar, and when you heat it up, and they're like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, just, is gas $8 a gallon or is it $3 a gallon? It's all I care about. And that's the American voter. So I think, though, that the that there is a growing part of the population of the American voter that cares about the idea that I talk about all the time, that the, the current destruction is intentional. And we shifted that over from when we talk about the system, the matrix, whatever you want to call it, we talk about the COVID agenda. And that was largely lockdowns. That was mandates. That was the way that society was crippled by the reaction to COVID, not COVID itself. And now that has changed and shifted over by the globalists of the world, hi Bill Gates if you're watching, to the climate agenda. And now that climate agenda is going to be first and foremost as a means to cripple society. And that's what's going to hit these refineries. That's what's going to hit prevent drilling. You know, what you're talking about, about Anwar, I researched that extensively when I first got into politics because that was the stuff that Sarah Palin was talking about. They dove in and went right after her, primarily because she was an expert on energy independence, had been working on that for years, and she was deeply threatening to the system as a result of that and and her expertise in that particular area. So... I think this is the new topic that does become relevant, this climate agenda, because it's being utilized by the folks at the top to cripple society. And I think that because these prices do affect their everyday life, do affect what they're paying at the pump, do affect, you know, do affect national security, do affect then the safety of themselves and their families. I think that if you can make that argument tangible to people and it's not something happening out there in the world it's something happening right here in their hands in their home in their backyard i do think people will be very very plugged into that and i would advocate for a republican candidate whoever it is ron desantis 
Donald Trump, whoever it may be, to zero in on that climate agenda because that is going to be the biggest force for destruction that the left is going to utilize well, to cripple society. You asked about two things if people care about, oil prices and the war. Did you see two weeks ago or three weeks ago when everybody at a uh, AOC town hall was railing on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for voting for nuclear war? All these progressives turning around and yeah. flipping on AOC. I think that is a, ex, very exemplary and a bellwether that, listen, these progressives don't care about oil. They don't care about gas prices. They don't give a shit. They want to get rid of oil anyway. They want to drive their Tesla to work or what have you. Right. You know what they do care about? They care about nuclear war. The progressive mm-hmm. caucus put a bill forward to pull out of uh, Ukraine and to stop funding Ukraine. And you know what they did? They withdrew it because they got too much pressure from the establishment Democrats. You had AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, the squad put forward a bill to stop funding Ukraine and they pulled it back. Their, their progressive base is going to flip on them. Mm-hmm. So the left is shooting themselves in the foot, not on oil, but on the Ukraine war. Yep. You're going to see these progressives turn around and say, no, I'm done with it's you. It's not a hard argument. Hey, America needs energy independence and you need a $2 gas at the pump. That's what we need. You can connect those dots for the average voter. Mm-hmm. Let's transition to the next story. We've got like 10 minutes left before we wrap up. Did you guys hear did you hear about the fact that Zuckerberg's net worth declined? He lost a hundred billion dollars in his net worth. That's, I asked you about that. Like, is that true? And yeah. you're like, oh, this happened. Yeah, I didn't he, believe that. He lost a hundred. Put up the story wow. from Fortune. He lost a hundred billion dollars. Uh, here's a story from Vice. Facebook's monopoly is imploding before our eyes. For years, the definition of success for many tech employees has been getting a job at Fang. Companies like Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. But there's evidence that Facebook is on the uh, pers- uh, 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 here. Give me this word here. Precipitous. Uh, Precipitous. Precipice. Precipice of dropping out of the group, uh, uh, out of this group through years of sheer mismanagement, a failure to innovate, setting money on fire in pursuit of metaverse that seemingly no one wants, a vulnerable business model that Apple is squarely taking aim at, and upstart competitors like TikTok. That the com, uh, company seemingly has no answer to. In a little over one year, the company has shed nearly, you ready, folks? $800 billion of its market Ooh, cap. Wow. It's nearly a trillion dollars. Wow. With the lion's share of that coming these past eight months, Reality Labs, Facebook's Metaverse Fantasy team burned through $4.5 billion in 2019, $6.6 billion in 2020, and $10.1 billion in 2021, that's a total of $21 billion. Another $9.4 billion in losses has been realized in 2022, bringing Reality Labs operating losses to north of $31 billion. And that's Facebook. Tom, when you see the story wow. with Facebook and Zuck, what do you think about it? Is this Somebody said the other day on Twitter, I don't know who it was, they said, look, now that Musk bought Twitter, can somebody buy Facebook? Okay. <laughs> Can somebody go out there and buy Facebook? How bad is it at Facebook right now? I'd like to apologize to everybody for my deep energy analysis. And I will thank you for comments that I should keep it more simple. And I'll take it right back to simple in this. Facebook is not getting consumers from the new generation. So old Facebook, think of it as a gas-powered engine. Zuckerberg thinks that Metaverse is his EV, that the old product is not going to be there long-term, and it's not growing in ad value, and it's not growing in customers, especially the Generation Z and new. So he has to bet on something else. And he's sitting there, like Thomas Edison saying, call me crazy if you will, but I got to invent something else that's going to bring me revenue tomorrow, and it is the Metaverse. So... I think it's that simple, what he's looking at. 
By yeah. the way, did you did you hear what Jim Cramer did on Mad Money a couple days ago? He almost cried on the air and he apologized. No, he actually did cry. He, <laughs> he cried, cried saying, I apologize. He was talking to what? David Faber. For telling people that Facebook is a good investment. Um, and, and Facebook stock's not done very well. So it's been it's been a little bit challenging, but he was crying. Yeah, yeah. you can see the interview. Go so ahead. It just goes to show nobody knows what direction the market or a stock is going. Jim Cramer, who's the quote-unquote expert about everything comes to stock market finance, is now crying on air because of his wrong speculation. That's why it's so hard to Tough do that. Tough week for CNBC because yeah. uh, Deirdre Bassa, is that her name? Deirdre Bassa? Um, she also apologized because she got completely hoodwinked on the, uh, the the fake Twitter engineer story. So it's a tough week for CNBC. A lot of people did. Well, a couple of things about Facebook, because I, I, I obviously I'll ask young people questions. I'm like, are you on Facebook? They're like, no. I don't. Like, Once you saw your grandma or your mom on Facebook, yeah, I'm off. I'm <laughs> off this platform. What am I talking about here? And and rightfully so, the direction, like, are your daughters on Facebook? Uh, no. No, because you're on it, Tom. Nobody's trying to hang out with you, bro. That was a joke. So just, but your your oh, daughters are not on. Hey, you can stop Adam yelling, but okay. you're absolutely correct. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> but the, the point is that like your daughters aren't trying to affiliate with their father or grandfather on Facebook. It's just not a thing. But the pivot that he Facebook took is not Meta, cool or interesting. Exactly. Facebook, but you are. So don't take that as a knock. The the um the the pivot to Meta when was at the height of the crypto market. The height of Bitcoin, the height of Dogecoin, the hype of Ethereum. And then we've seen what's happened with the crash of crypto. NFTs have lost, what, 90% of their value over the last 6, 12 months. So, like, talk about timing. Like, mm-hmm. guys, great idea. We're going to change Facebook to Meta. Crypto's the hottest thing in the world. We're doing the Metaverse thing. Wah, wah. <laughs> like, we've seen what's happened. Tyler, I don't know if you could pull this up. I would love to know, in 2020... The height of Zuckerberg's wealth, like where was he on the top 20 list, maybe number four or five, and where he is today? I would love well, to Adam, on that. that, also you can lay over the political environment. Because remember, a lot of Democrats blamed Zuckerberg for not being tough enough and allowing mm-hmm. the Trump election to take place with all the shenanigans. So he ends up in front of Congress on safety issues, on protocol issues, yeah. on foreign intervention. So the old Facebook was under fire. And the old Facebook isn't getting new cons- consumers, as you just pointed out, from my daughter's generation. So guess what? The entrepreneur that is Zuckerberg says, I'm inventing my way out and i think it's that simple and the pain they're going through the the reason that facebook is dropping isn't because he's investing in metaverse the reason facebook is dropping is because ad revenue is dropping subscribership is dropping for sure all those consumers aren't there so while the thing is going down zuckerberg is not getting credit will it work i don't know if metaverse is going to work i don't think it will but he's not getting credit for being the entrepreneur trying to invent himself out of the hole well pat let me tee this up for you you posted something i don't know a couple weeks ago you're saying like, if you look at the Fortune 500 companies from 1950, like, how many are still in it today? Great point. And it was, like, 50% of companies. I don't remember. The, but, like, just because a company is the top dog does not guarantee that they will be the top dog 10, 20, 50 years from now. What were those? Do you remember those Six, results? Set like, 70%, 60% of Fortune 500 companies from 1970 are no longer even in business. Which so is insane. Yeah, which is insane. <laughs> so... Look, but but, Eras, right? but I but I will tell you, I don't think it's because Zuck's not being innovative. I don't think it's because he's you know, but he went all in on NFTs and Meta, 
and it backfired. Right. As great of a product they may be producing with $31 billion into it, the market said, no, we're not going to. It may happen in the next 10 years. It may happen in the next five years. It's just not happening right now due to where the, where the right. market's and at. Tyler just pulled this up. In 2020, he was the fifth richest person in the world. Uh, this may be the 2021. Fifth. Okay, even 2021. Exactly. So Conservatives also don't trust Facebook, generally speaking, Nobody because of the Facebook. collusion that happened between uh, Zuckerberg and Fauci yeah. and the yeah, whole team yeah. on that stuff. They don't trust that. But I always say Facebook reminds me of cable news. It's like, I hate to say it this way, but the audience is, is dying. I mean, they're mm. very old. These are very old people. So they have to like re-energize. You, they ha- you have to get those TikTok people to want to yeah. come over to Facebook for some reason. And why? I feel like Twitter has its own brand. It's where you go to kind of have that debate, the discussion. I totally get the appeal of Twitter. I also get the appeal of TikTok because it's like these little sound bites. I get the young generation that has no attention yeah. span, blah, blah. What is Facebook doing, really, that's unique? And why Last would word, Let, let me just say this, though. Let me just say this, though. In two years... Mm. Do not be surprised whoever gets elected in 2024, 2025, if they choose to ban TikTok, then in 2025, the app that could take off is Instagram. Mm -hmm. And Instagram will get all the people from TikTok that will move over. And by the way, most of our clips do better on Instagram right now than they're doing on TikTok. If those people move over, Facebook will be back up again. But in Mm -hmm. the next two years... Uh, it, it'll have a lot to do with somebody taking down TikTok in the States. Well, Go ahead, Tom. And by the way, I'll give you the last word and a, a tip of the hat to certain types of leadership. Um, who is responsible for the 10-year run at Facebook? Who is responsible for the economic plan for the 10-year Cheryl run? Sheryl Sandberg. That who, is correct. Who was recently departed. Right? That's right. So I said a certain type of leadership. There is yeah. one of the most influential, best. I don't agree with her book, everything on Lean In, but there's parts of it that I love in terms of my daughters. But she came out there, female in leadership at the top of tech, and drove this thing. And mm-hmm. a lot of the mistakes and things that happened, she and Zuckerberg had a falling out. So let's face it. She was retired. Let's understand what happened here. Um, in the face of the stuff that was going on. But he also yeah. lost his number two that drove the company to where it was. Yeah. And Pat has a, a very good point about let's not underplay the fact that he changed his entire company very name. Risky. Very risky. Entire brand to the metaverse. Yeah. He changed his entire company to meta. Not he's, like, hey, this is a branch of what we do. No, he's, the entire company is meta now. He's telling every engineer in the company. <clears throat> Well, this listen, it. It, we're at the end of the podcast, uh, uh, home team podcast today. Uh, uh, hope you guys enjoyed it for the people that tune in. There's a lot of you guys that prefer this than you prefer the interviews. There's some of you guys that love the interviews, but some of you guys that just prefer us talking about current events. I think we're doing it again on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Possibly. Possibly. You know, we may have a surprise from somebody. We're working on some mm. major interviews that will be coming out soon. Jet, I know our interview is going live Friday. Thursday. Okay, Thursday, Thursday on Friday. Yeah, on my show, Dead I Be Alive, I interviewed this guy right here, and we talk about high-value men. We talk about marriage. Ooh. I dug into all the juicy stuff. You know I did, so yeah, you got to check that she out. she pushed the envelope. We had a good time. And by the way, Jed, Jed and I, growing. 40,000 subs is growing. <laughs> Sick, Can't wait for that to get to a million subs in no time. Adam, what's your next uh, show you got coming Thursday, up? Thursday, SauceCast. Thursday, SauceCast, 4 p.m.? Yes, sir. 4 p.m. Okay, having said that, folks, we'll see you guys again in two days. If you enjoyed this podcast... Give us a sub. At 500,000 subs, we're going to do something really special. Maybe even invite some of you guys 
to come to our new set that we're producing with 300 people there. But we're going to do that at 500,000 subs. Woo-hoo-hoo. So if you enjoy the podcast, give us a sub. Uh, uh, support the content that we're producing here. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.